Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink. I didn't hear the introductory. Uh, I didn't hear the introductory music, so I, I wasn't sure if this program started or not. Okay, this is Christogenia Saturdays, and it is Saturday, October twenty second, two thousand and eleven. Tonight, I'm going to present a paper that, that I wrote a few months ago that, that got thousands of reads. That, that um, did a lot better than I thought it would. It, it's on the Saxon Messenger site. It's called The Right Foreign Foe, F-A-U-X, like the real right opposed to the fake right, right? That, that's the point. And, and also the faux right, that, that's sort of a play on words, because they're really not the, 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 the members of the what I would term the faux right really aren't right-wing at all. They're actually foes to everything that is right. And just. Before I start, I, I want to talk a little about terms, and I'm going to talk a little about terms also at the end of this at, at the end of this presentation. I also hope to get some callers tonight because this presentation is probably only going to take about an hour if, if I drag it out, maybe a little longer. I want to talk about the word exterminationist. You know, there's a certain clown that calls himself a Christian identity pastor that's labeled Clifton Emmerheiser and I as exterminationists. And, and you know, that's what Jews do. When they see something that they oppose and, and that they despise, they give it the worst possible label that they can. Oh, you're an anti-Semite. And they do that to turn people away from it, because people get afraid of labels. Well, I'm not afraid of any labels. And I would bet, I would bet that when Yahweh told Joshua 4,000 years ago, well, well, maybe about 3,500 years ago, to exterminate all the Canaanites, I would bet that there was some Jew in the background whispering in Joshua's ear saying, Oh, he didn't really say that. He wouldn't really eliminate all those people. That's cruel. He's an exterminationist. Why don't you enslave us instead? And then you can rule over us and we'll obey your law. Doesn't that sound like Eli James's theology? That's exactly what got us into trouble in the first place. Well, I'm not going to be afraid of a word. That's a Jewish tactic. I'm not afraid of anything, never mind a word. When Jeremiah knew that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed, the people hated him for it. I would claim to know what the Bible says about every plant that Yahweh did not plant, and all the bastards... And everybody else who's not written into the book of life, I claim to know what's going to happen to them at the time of the end. 
the people could hate me for it. I'm not the only one. I'm not beating my chest. There's a lot of people that feel the way I do. I could be hated for it, but I'm not going to be afraid of it because I don't despise the word of my God. So the little Jew whispering Joshua's ear, oh, he didn't really mean to kill everybody. Well, well, that's what got us into this trouble in the first place. And the same people are pulling the same tactics today. They don't want to face what the Word of God says. And that's all I have to say on that subject. For now. The right foreign foe. There is the far right, and there is the faux right. True white nationalists do not kill their white brethren, not even when they disagree with them politically or religiously do true nationalists kill their brethren. This is because true nationalists are nationalists Because they love their brethren above all else. And that love for their brethren is what led them to become nationalists in the first place. If they didn't love their brother, they couldn't be nationalists. The real far right is nationalist. And real Christianity insists that Christians love their kindred, their brethren, above all but God himself. However, in the West today, especially these last 40, 50 years, there's a faux right that has a different agenda, a false right. It's nationalist, but it's not nationalist for its own perceived nation. An American nationalist of the faux right is more of a nationalist for Israeli, that the Jewish state in Palestine than he is for America. Most of all of the adherents of this faux right nationalism are Jews or brainwashed false Christians, Judeo-Christians. There really can't be anything Judeo-Christian. There's no concord between Christ and the Jews in the New Testament. The Judeo-Christians may as well be Jews. Since the nationalistic allegiance of Jews is not and cannot truly be with the host nations that they inhabit, Jews can never, ever even be considered nationalist or even conservative, or even as being anywhere on the right of the political spectrum. Jews can only be considered Zionist. And Zionism, Zionism does not really care for the left and right paradigms of the individual Western democracies. Many so-called conservative Jews known generally today as neocons, or or at one time they were known as Rockefeller Republicans, 
They adapted the designation neoconservative because they were mostly leftists. They were mostly Bolsheviks who had infiltrated American conservatism. They were new to conservatism, but they were never and are not now truly conservatives. They are really, they were and they are, Zionist left-wing Bolsheviks looking to redefine conservatism. And this is something that real conservatives have failed to realize. These Zionist left-wing Bolsheviks have not changed their ideology, like the leopard cannot change its spots. Rather, they have infiltrated and they have usurped the true right. And the true right in this country hasn't been right in a long time. But now it's even worse. There are some non-Jews among them who are apparently Christians, but not true Christians in practice. For rather than loving their brethren, as the Bible commands them to do, they love the Jews. They love the eternal enemies of Christ. That is worship of the beast. When I did my revelation commentary, I, de I dare say that I demonstrated from the language of the revelation, chapters 16, 17, 18, and 20, that world Jewry is the eighth beast of the revelation, the beast that came out of the pit as the Revelation explicitly states, and that is the beast that these people are worshipping today. If you're a Judeo-Christian, if you're worshipping that Jewish state, that Antichrist Jewish state in Palestine, you are worshipping the beast. There is no doubt about it. Zionism is a Jewish nationalist ideology built upon absolutely, absolutely false interpretations of Scripture which deceives Christians and leads them to worship Jews rather than to love their own brethren and honor Jesus Christ their God. Zionism is racist and insists on the removal or extermination of Arabs in Palestine and the establishment of a racist Jewish state. And this goes on at the same time while Jews in the West insist that white Christians embrace those same Arabs in their own Western countries. The Jew is the world's ultimate hypocrite. He always has been. Zionism is everything that the Jews have accused Nazi Germany of being. However, the Germans had much more legitimate ground to stand on in their desire to remove Jews from Germany. The Germans would have ejected Jews from a land where Jews themselves did not dwell originally and where Germans did. Yet Zionism would eject Arabs from Palestine where few Jews have dwelt for 1,500 years and where Arabs always have. Well, in, in modern times, anyway. It's absolutely hypocritical. 
the Jews have done everything that they've accused the Nazis of doing. They are the Nazis in the sense that the word is used of somebody who is wicked. It describes the Jews. It doesn't describe National, National Socialist Germany. The Jewish-controlled media in the West has demonized all white nationalists as Nazis. They've even, Jews on the streets in Palestine, call all Christians Nazis. Anybody who wants to uphold morals, the Jews consider to be Nazis because Satan has no morals. While at the same time, the Jewish-controlled media incessantly promotes Jewish racism and Jewish nationalism as if it were sacred and holy. The Western media claims to be a religious, meaning without religion. Yet the Jews claim a right to Palestine through religion, and the Western media supports it blindly and incessantly. Too many Christians have blindingly followed along with this blatant Jewish hypocrisy. But the Jews have enjoyed the fruits of this de deception to the tune of over $100 billion to date in direct U.S. aid and countless more billions of dollars in U.S. charity. There is, of course, also a large sum of aid, and charity, which flows into Jewish coffers from the other white nations of the world. Not to mention how many billions of dollars have been transferred to Jews through Holocaust reparations when the Holocaust never happened. It's extortion. McDonald's. Imagine McDonald's is the world's only restaurant in the world where all other restaurants are perceived to be evil. Jewish racism is a lucrative business for the Jews at the expense of all other races and nations. Some whites have awoken to realize that Zionism is racist Jewish nationalism. And have begun to speak out against it. And because they have done this out of empathy for the Arab victims of the Zionist criminals in Palestine, and because these whites are mostly of politically centrist or leftist ideologies, it is difficult for the Jewish press in the West to label them as skinheads or Nazis. Yet the awakening of whites to Jewish hypocrisy and treachery is anathema to the Jews. And therefore the Jews have to do something about it. They cannot let it spread or their very lucrative monopoly on racist nationalism is threatened. This was the situation in Oslo, Norway this summer. When a man, a proud Mason, who was also a fervent Zionist, allegedly killed 94 people.
The March 28, 2011 headlines in the Jewish news website Aretz Shiva proclaimed that Dershowitz, meaning that Jew Harvard professor, Alan Dershowitz, Dershowitz slams Norway for anti-Semitism. Any political agenda that, that is against the Jews is anti-Semitism. Even though the Arabs, if, if the Jews can claim to be Semites, I mean, we in Israel identity, we know that neither Jews or Arabs are Semites. The original Semites, of course, were white. But speaking on their own terms, if the Jews are Semites, then they have to admit the Arabs as Semites. There's no way around it. So, if you're pro-Arab and anti-Jew, how could you be an anti-Semite? Everything the Jews do is hypocritical. Everything they do is hypocritical. There is no escaping hypocrisy for a Jew. Harvard professor Alan Dershowitz visited Norway, decried the official anti-Semitism he encountered, official anti-Semitism, simply because the government officially supports the Palestinians. And he inspired newfound pride among Jews, as if that's not racist nationalism. The tone of the article was that Dershowitz was offended that Norway's heads of state refused to meet with him. Well, who the hell is he to go to a foreign nation and, and insist that the heads of state have to meet with him simply because he's a professor at Harvard Law? And it says that he met with groups of Jews in Norway, instilling pride and courage in them for being Jewish. Well, imagine a, a white college professor instilling pride in white kids for being white. Imagine how he would be demonized. Of course, the Jew newspapers aren't going to discuss the hypocrisy of that. Dershowitz supposedly scolded Norway for not caving into Jewish customs. Dershowitz also threatened lawsuits and boycotts. Sounds like 1933 all over again. We'll be bombing Norway in a few years, right after we bomb Iran. Dershowitz also threatened lawsuits and boycotts against Norwegian academics and universities with pro-Palestinian positions. His rhetoric sounds a lot like that of Samuel Untermeyer's against Germany in 1933. Jews seek to demonize and then destroy anyone who does not go along with Jewish racism and ideas of Jewish supremacy. Even earlier than that, Dershowitz, on November 15, 2010, The Jewish news website, Ynet News, I guess that stands for Yidnet News, I don't know, dot com, cried that Norway was encouraging anti-Israel incitement. In its article, Israel, Norway inciting against us, foreign ministry says Norwegian authorities funding anti-Israel film 
exhibition and play. Norway says, we support freedom of expression. Of course, the Jews only support freedom of an expression when that expression espouses Jews and Jewish ideals, which are usually contrary to Christianity and to the interests of all non-Jews. Norway, making room for Palestinians to tell their side of the story in a perpetual Middle East conflict between Arabs and Jews, is demonized by Jews everywhere. The article ends with a statement that, and I quote, the Norwegians responded to the Israeli criticism by saying that the government supports the freedom of expressions and will not intervene in artistic content. The Jews obviously despise this position in Norway. However, it's the same position which for decades Jews themselves have encouraged Western government to uphold whenever Jewish art and literature, no matter how vile, no matter how pornographic, no matter how undermining of the culture it's pervaded, whenever Jewish art and literature has come under fire. Jewish hypocrisy is without end, and these articles are only two of countless examples demonstrating Jewish dissatisfaction in Norway in the, in the months leading up to the Oslo bombing. Just after the Oslo bombing and the Utoya shootings, I'm probably pronouncing, murdering that pronunciation, the Jewish American news outlet, and msnbc.com published an article. Norway attacks focus attention on U.S. right-wing extremists. What the hell does this veganist in Norway and his bombing Oslo have to do with U.S. right-wing extremists? That's their immediate response to this shooting. The rest of the headline said, anti-Islamic rhetoric from American groups cited in Gunman's 1,500-page manifesto. The article was written by Jews, no surprise, Azriel Ralph and Michael Isakoff. The article made not one mention of Zionism, Palestine, or Jews. Rather, the article sought to use the events in Norway as an excuse to persecute white nationalists who do not want their own countries overrun with the Arabs that the Jews in the Middle East are freely trying to get rid of at our expense. That is incredible hypocrisy. However, and I have to say that this was quite startling to me, the Jewish press for Jewish readers was much more honest in its assessment of the Oslo shooter's motives. On July 25, 2011, Arutz Shiva presented an article by another Jew named Elad Benari, and the headline was, Report, Norwegian Murderer and Ardent Supporter of Israel. And it states, a document published by Norway murderer Anders Bering Breivik reveals his support for Israel and his hatred of Islam. In this article, it is admitted that, quote, 
In an English document he published on the Internet before the massacre, Breivik called himself a strong supporter of Zionism and praised Theodor Herzl, the founder of Zionism, and attacked the European political establishment because he saw it as being anti-Israel. Isn't that really why Breivik killed all those white people? In the name of the Jews. And the Jews admitted to a Jewish audience, but to an American audience, the Jews want to twist it so that right-wing extremists are the villains. It's nice to have a worldwide crime ring and be in charge of the media and have the entire media as your own publicity agent. It's just incredible. It's incredible that Americans buy anything with a Jew's name on it. Because if a Jew lifts his pen, he's lying. The Arashiva article also states that Brevik commended Israel for not giving most of the Muslims who live under its control civil rights, as opposed to the various European countries. And Brevik also quoted a series of Israeli professors, such as Itamar Rabinovich and Ayal Zisser in the document. He also specifically mentioned Aretz Shiva and the leftist Haaretz newspaper. Anders Breivik is a product of the faux right, the false right, and not of the far right. If Anders Breivik were a true anti-Muslim nationalist, he would have been shooting Arabs and not whites. Anders Breivik is instead a pro-Jewish Zionist who killed whites on behalf of Jews. Therefore, it is Jewish Zionist groups which need to be focused upon by U.S. law enforcement and not as the Jews at MSNBC insisted, U.S. right-wing extremists who they really wish to persecute. The website wakeupfromyourslumber.com makes this rather appropriate comment, quote, Jewish anti-Muslim Sweden Democrats party member Isaac Nigren received an email from Anders Breivik one hour before the bomb detonated in Oslo. They were apparently good friends. Guess where Isaac Nigren is at the present moment in an Israeli kibbutz. Breivik and Nigren are described as being friends. And Breivik sent Nigren an email just a short while before the Oslo bombing and his shooting spree. He was probably reporting to his Jewish master. An article by Wayne Madsen, another smoking gun, Breivik linked to Israel, states that attention to Breivik's Israeli and Jewish connections would expose Mossad's infiltration of neo-Nazi groups and political parties to turn them away from anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial and into anti-Islamic and pro-Israeli pressure movements. Breivik actually meets every, every one of those um, statements. He, he fits the bill perfectly. The same infiltration of nationalist groups everywhere, where nationalists are really only nationalists in favor of the Jewish-Israeli state, 
it's fully evident throughout the so-called right-wing American media and shills such as Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck, and especially the Jew Michael Sabbath, Michael Savage, all are promoters of organized Jewish racism while decrying racism at home. Such is the Zionist faux right, the false right. The website ynetnews.com, in a report entitled Anti-Semitism in Norway, op-ed, Anti-Jew and Anti-Israeli Settlements in Norway Flourish, despite local denials by the Jew Manfred Gerstenfeld, the article discusses surveys, meetings, and Anti-Defamation League delegations to Norway leading up to the publication date of June 22nd, 2011. So for months, the Jews had been sending delegations to Norway to take polls, to have meetings about Norwegian anti-Semitism. In response to a survey of anti-Semitism, the article states that, and I quote, the publication of these very negative findings came at an inconvenient time for Norwegian authorities. A few days later, an American Jewish group, imagine this, consisting of delegates from the Anti-Defamation League, B'nai B'rith International, and the Simon Wiesenthal Center, as well as Professor Marshall Breger, a former advisor on Jewish affairs to President Ronald Reagan arrived in Oslo. As if the survey, the, the, the results of the survey, and the swarm of American Jews converging on Norway weren't coordinated in the first place. I would bet they were. So the vanguard of Jewish organized racism converged on Norway to make sure it keeps an allegiance with the Jewish world order over the months prior to the fervent Zionist Breivik's destruction of so many Norwegian children. Jews concerned of opposition to their own political agenda had every reason to send the people of Norway a clear signal. Anders Breivik served as that signal. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. I understand that. It is not an accident that the Oslo shootings occurred on the 65th anniversary of the bombing of the King David Hotel by Jewish Ergun terrorists, as has already been noted by many commentators. In this sense, the shootings are not Norway's World Trade Center, as some people call them. They're not Norway's Oklahoma City. They are indeed Norway's Reichstag fire. Why? Because Jews, or at least Jewish sympathizers like Breivik, were actually responsible for it. No, Hitler didn't burn the Reichstag. The Jews burned the Reichstag or at least a certain communist burned the, Reich, burned the Reichstag. The Jews were responsible for it, and they blamed it on the nationalists. The same thing 
they did with the Reichstag fire. The Reichstag fire was designed to prevent the rise of national socialists to power, and it backfired on the Jews. Will the Breivik affair also backfire on the Jews? Well, that's the power of the media. That's what I wrote several months ago when I wrote this article. Obviously, some people are catching on, but most people still don't get it. It would indeed if true nationalists learned to distinguish between the real far right and the Zionist faux right, the false right. Jews in Palestine may be perceived as being far right in their own perspective if they staunchly support an Israeli government in Palestine, and a Jew could be a, a right winger in Palestine in that context. But in other nations, they never support ethnic nationalism for the original ethnicities of those nations. Rather, regardless of the extent to which they support Zionism, Jews always support multiculturalism and diversity in white nations. They only get to be ethnic racist nationalists and ethnic supremacists in their own nation, where Jews are the ones who are racist and nationalists and supremacists. This is just one aspect of Jewish hypocrisy. The Jews only promote racism where Jews are concerned. It is also hypocritical that the Jewish media throughout the West, which is at least 95% of the Western media, never distinguishes between the Zionist false right and the true nationalist far right. Whites have to learn to make this distinction for themselves. I, I, I would like to say that whites have to learn to make a lot of distinctions for themselves. And we in Christian identity fail to make a lot of those distinctions. Even we do, and we're supposed to be awake. Whites must learn to make this, the distinctions for themselves or forever be confused and taken advantage of by the Jew. Since Jews never support white nationalism, a true white who loves his nation can never support Jews. We would say, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And the Jew would say, you scratch my back and I won't charge you for it if you're lucky. If one supports the Jew, one hates his own nation and assists the Jew in destroying all nations. Admittedly, I haven't had much time to keep up on this Breivik case and, and, and follow up on it. And, and um, I'm sure it's mostly um, rhetoric anyway in the aftermath. But I'd like to look at a few things. I got the Telegraph in front of me, the London Telegraph. Saturday, October 22nd, 2011. Norway attacks profile of suspect Anders Bering Breivik. Anders Bering Breivik, the main suspect in the Norwegian 
bomb attacks and shootings has been described by police as a Christian fundamentalist with right-wing views. What kind of right-wing views? They don't say what kind of right-wing views. In the first page of the article, there's nothing about Jews, there's nothing about Israel. It's not here. What kind of right-wing What are right-wing views? There you have it. The Guardian. July 23rd, 2011. Four months ago. Or three months ago. Anders Bering Breivik, profile of a mass murderer. A right-wing fundamentalist with a hatred for Norway's left, multiculturalism, and Muslims. Again... There's nothing evident in the article about Jews. They just call him a fundamentalist. Fundamentalism can mean a lot of things. There's a fundamentalist. Uh, uh, let's look at the article. I got an article in front of me from Wikipedia. American Protestants. The first formulation of American fundamentalist beliefs can be traced to the Niagara Bible Conference and, in 1910, to the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church, which distilled these into what became known as the Five Fundamentals. And they list the five fundamentalists of the original fundamentalists. The inspiration of the Bible and the inerrancy of Scripture as a result of this. Yes, I would agree with that. The virgin birth of Christ. Yes, I would agree with that. The belief that Christ's death was the atonement for sin. Well, not really. It was a propitiation for sin. But I understand that the fundamentalists probably didn't know Greek. So I would agree that they were on the right track. The bodily resurrection of Jesus. I would agree. The historical reality of Christ's miracles. I would agree. God has efficacy in the world. That's just fine. Nothing about Jews. I don't see anything about Jews. The Wikipedia article for Christian fundamentalists, a related article, has one line in here about fundamentalists. One important sign in the rebirth of Israel, about fundamentalists concerning Jews, I should say, One important sign is the rebirth of Israel, support for which became the centerpiece of fundamentalist foreign policy. There's no context for it, but it became the centerpiece of fundamentalist foreign policy. We see that Breivik, if I'm not butchering his name, was a fervent Zionist a fervent supporter of Israel. But all of the American news outlets label him a Christian fundamentalist. When you go to the Wikipedia, and this is where most people are going to go. You go to the Wikipedia articles on fundamentalism, you don't see anything about support for fervent Zionism. You don't see anything about fervent support for Jews or fervent support for for Israel and Palestine, you don't see anything about any of that. So what are they doing? The Jewish media is basically taking the Breivik incident 
and transferring the blame for it to all fundamental, or any Christian who, who claims to believe the Bible. When the exact opposite is true, it's very obvious, if anybody looks under the surface, that Breivik killed dozens of white Norwegian children on behalf of the Jews. I got some an, an article here, The Political Ideas of Anders Bering Breivik. And if anybody wants to call in, I'm probably going to be about 10 minutes with this, but I would appreciate some calls and we could have a conversation. This is only going to be a one-hour program if I don't get any calls. This is by Kevin McDonald. He, he nails a lot on, on the head in, in this article, so I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs from it. This is from July 23, 2011. A quite clear picture of Anders Bering Breivik emerges from the, the collection of his online posts. Of course, McDonald supplies a link to that collection. I, meaning he, saw the following quotes were reasonably representative. They are edited slightly for English usage. These snippets portray a Geert Wilders type of cultural conservative, very opposed to ethnocentrism as a strategy. Very positive about the Vienna School. There were several schools called the Vienna School. I think he means the um, economic Vienna School that had a laissez-faire policy toward capitalism. Staunchly pro-Israel, which he sees as beset by militant Islam, and very hostile towards Islam, what in the U.S. is called a neo-conservative. That's Anders Bering Breivik. He is a Jew, and I'd rather call them zeocons than neocons. Neoconservatives are only conservative for conserving Judaism and world Jewish ethnic supremacy. Neocons are Jewish supremacists. Let's call them what they need to be called. Let's call them what they deserve to be called. Breivik sees Islam as eventually taking over Europe via differential fertility if nothing is done, meaning they have more babies. Noting historical data on other areas, Turkey, Lebanon, Kosovo, based on his reading of history, he believes that the triumph of Islam would unleash horrific repression and violence against Europeans and against all manifestations of traditional European culture. It would be the end of European civilization based on Christianity and ordered liberty. Yet, you know, it's hard to disagree with Brevik there, but why did he kill all those white children? So did he kill all those white children so that blame would be placed on white nationalists and he would be identified with any white man who spoke out against Europe's being overrun with Muslims? The Jew gains on every side of the Anders Bering Breivik incident. And they know how to spin it in every market to get the most from it. 
in every media market. McDonald continues, he also has a 1,500-page book entitled, A European Declaration of Independence, suggesting his actions were intended to call attention to himself as a way of publicizing the book and maximizing its impact. See also the very powerful video below, which is based on the ideas of the book. The video images strongly suggest that he identifies with historical figures like Charles Martel. Charles Martel wasn't killing white kids. Charles Martel was rallying whites against the invading Moors, who fought to prevent the Muslim conquest of Europe in the previous centuries. Note the many photos of Christian knights battling Islam, suggesting he sees Christianity, and, and, and um, MacDonald makes a little note in parentheses here, and the little note says, Correctly, and, and I'm surprised at that, even from Kevin McDonald, and I, I was actually quite pleased with that. Suggesting he sees Christianity correctly as a historically powerful force for the preservation of Europe, rather than mainly about religious faith, and, at the very end, photos of himself in dress, military dress and armed automatic weapons. Christianity, I must add, and, and I'm glad that Kevin McDonald agrees. I don't know how strongly he agrees, but he said it. It's the only defense against Judaism. But it has to be biblical Christianity and not Judeo-Christianity. Biblical Christianity rejects the Jew and sees the Jew as Satan. Those who claim to be Judeans, but are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. That is today's Jew. That is who they are. Revelations 2.9 and 3.9. There are many other scriptures that support that. McDonald goes on to say that in general, it must be said that he is a serious political thinker with a great many insights and some good practical ideas on strategy, developing conservative media, gaining control of NGOs, and developing youth organizations that will confront the Marxist street thugs. Well, well that's exactly what Adolf Hitler did. Those ideas are nothing new. Parenthetically, during a recent lecture tour of Sweden, I, meaning McDonald, was struck by the elaborate security procedures that were taken out of fear of physical beatings by communists. To describe me as typically the children of leftist, described to me typically as ch the children of leftist elites. So the children of leftist elites are the communist class in Sweden. And, and we saw here in, in America in the 1900s, that it was the children of these wealthy white liberals who became the biggest janissaries for the Marxists in, in the 60s and 70s, right? The, the Jews just, I, I don't know, there's something about rich white people that they just become corrupted totally by the Jewish thinking. It happens again and again. That's how the Jews succeeded so well at Columbia and Berkeley and other schools like that. It would well be that Brevik's silence on Jewish hostility toward Europe and the West and his rejection of ethnocentrism 
was motivated by his strategic sense. Well, well, that to me is a is a huge red flag. How could you be a nationalist and reject ethnocentrism? Well, that's an oxymoron. I, I mean, that that's a that there's a severe cognitive dissonance there because. The entire idea which encompasses, encompasses nationalism is synonymous with ethnocentrism. A nation is a nation because it has a common homogenous people and a common history and a common culture and a common experience, and that is what makes it a nation. By definition, that's what a nation is, a homogenous People sharing the same language and culture and the same government. That's what a nation is. An empire is a government that controls, that rules over more than one nation of people. That's what an empire is. No matter how big or small it is. You could have an empire in New Jersey if you have whites and blacks in the same state and you're, and, and you're their ruler. It, it doesn't, the geographical territory is not what historically creates an empire. It's the, the people who are being governed by a single government. When there's more than one people governed by a single government, that's what creates an empire. Empires are almost always tyrannical. They have to be to hold them together. To continue with MacDonald, in the excerpts below, note his hostility toward the Frankfurt School, which he identifies with cultural Marxism. Well, a multicultural nation is cultural Marxism. But he never mentions that the Frankfurt School is a Jewish intellectual movement, nor does he mention the anti-European, anti-Christian attitudes that pervade Jewish elites in the West. And I won't continue with the, with, with the McDonald argument, uh, article, but I've said enough. The Anders Bering Breivik book, to me, has to be a setup. You don't recognize the evils of the Frankfurt School without recognizing the evils of the Frankfurt School's policies, of the goals of the Frankfurt School. Breivik seems to have accepted their goals and rejects the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School was the Jewish, what was a part of the Jewish plan to destroy the Christian West. There is no doubt that can be well demonstrated, and they did it in the 1960s. Because all of those Jewish student radicals were trained by Frankfurt School denizens who received professorships in American universities. Cheryl, please um, turn on Carolyn and, and um, Eagle River. Well, I don't hello. know who Eagle River is, but I'll speak to him. Hello, Carolyn. How are you doing? 
Oh, Eagle River. I know who Eagle River is. Okay. I think I do. Hi, hi, Bill. Nice to talk to you tonight. Hello. Nice to talk to you. Thank you for calling. <laughs> well, you know, um, where do you want to start? Do you want to know who Eagle River is? Or? Well, yes. Let's talk to him. Hello, Eagle River. Oh, hello, William. I see Dave. Yeah, it's Dave from Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Hello, David. Hey, uh, William, um, uh, Carolyn turned, uh, turned me on to you. I, uh, I've been familiar with, um, Christian identity. Um, I, I, I thought I knew all the leaders, uh, even going all the way back to, um, uh, William Potter Gale. Uh, have, have you ever heard of William Potter Gale? Yeah, I have some of his work on a, on a, on a website. Yeah, but for some reason, um, uh, for some reason, I didn't know about you, but uh, dear Shalowin, um, uh told me about you and, and sent me. The well, well, I've been locked away in a cave for years, right? Yeah, I don't know why I, I didn't. Uh, I'm like a. You know, uh, you know I know. You know. Uh, I, I, I've um, uh, only been publicly available for about three years. Let, oh, let's put it. Okay. Uh, yeah, because you know I, I'm. Uh, I'm very familiar with all the different schools of thought within the Christian identity, uh, Christian identity, and um, there's a lot of differences, as you probably well know, William. You know, with the, the half of them believe in the seed line doctrine, and half of them don't, and so on and so forth. But, uh, anyways, um, yeah. So, yeah, you know what? Hey, here, William, listen. Uh, um, um, you know where I am? And I, I sent an email to Carol, and I, I just, I, I spent the day, uh, and this should probably trigger some sort of a reaction from you, but I spent the day, uh, in South Royalton, Vermont, at the, uh, birthplace of, uh, the Mormon prophet Joseph Smith Jr. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I, I don't know about the profit part. Maybe, maybe P R O F I T. No, no, I really don't um, have much of a pre an appreciation for for Mormonism. But I'll say that I've been to Vermont and I've been through that area, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's a damn shame the yuppies have bought it out. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's about the most liberal, progressive state in the union. But yeah, I came up here. I used to hunt as a boy. I, we used to actually hunt. Uh, my dad used to take me, uh, raise me to be a hunter and everything, and um, uh, I gave up hunting when I grew up. It's not my idea of sport killing innocent animals. But in any case, when I was a boy, I used to traipse around in the autumn woods in Vermont because, uh, you know, you could shoot a, uh, a doe or a buck with the bow and arrow, whereas with the, uh, uh, with the gun season, you had to, you had to just shoot a, shoot a buck. But um, anyways, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, so, so yeah, I came up here, you know, to see the foliage and everything. And uh, but they're having a lousy foliage season because of that Hurricane Irene the, and the torrential rains and everything really messed up the uh, the way the leaves, uh, you know, uh, uh, turn the colors and everything. But yeah, you know, you know, William, in the back of the um, in the back of the, if, if you're familiar with it at all, uh, the Mormons put out, um, and, and they don't like being called Mormons anymore. They want to be called Latter-day Saints. Well, I want to be called a Latter-day Saint, too. But <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> they're not the only ones that want to be called Latter-day Saints. But, uh, anyways, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, in their um, King James Bible, uh 
at the back, they have their Bible dictionary. And most Mormons are actually, I think, I get the feeling that they, it's almost like the Schofield Bible, that the Mormon, the Mormon dictionary at the back of the King James Bible is also scripture and everything. But they say that, this is what they say. They say, uh, not all Israelites are Jews, but all Jews are Israelites. <laughs> you know, so, but, uh, boy, they really throw people a curve with, uh, you know, with those kind of definitions, huh? Um, well, well, right. But, I can pretty much establish that no Israelites are Jews and all Jews are not Israelites. I mean. Yeah, right. I, the, the truth is closer to just about no Jews are Israelites. Uh, well, well of, you know, many Jews are Israelites. It's because they were recently adopted white babies. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I, uh, I mean, you know, the Jews have adopted at, at a much higher rate than most people, and, and I imagine that there might be some Jews that are really white and, and not Jewish. That, that's, yeah, you know, we, we have to always uh, understand that possibility. And, and um, sure. but, but, but Christ said that there would be no good fruit from that fig tree in Jerusalem forever. And, and if you examine early Christian history, it's hard for me to imagine that there's anybody after about the 4th or 5th century who could have possibly been of the tribe of Judah and still identified religiously as a Jew. Yeah. Um, they were all well mixed with the Edomites and the other Canaanites by that time. Right. Yeah, I, you know, on my, uh, the Carolyn linked me up, uh, linked, uh, linked up with my, uh, old, I'm, I get so frustrated with these computers. See, I faced a lot of persecution. I was driven out from where yeah. I lived. I had to put all my stuff. Uh, I, people packed up my stuff. Yeah, I you know, Dave, them. you said all this on my program Monday. Don't, don't repeat it all. Yeah, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I can't, I can't. I know you want to tell about your website. Well, let me say something. So then I'll hang up, because I want okay. to talk, too. Well, go ahead, yeah. Okay. Well, Bill, um, you were talking about, I like the theme of, uh, you know, the, the fake right. And, um, but this was kind of all about Brevik. Well, I think, Bre I agree, I don't think we have any idea who Brevik is, was, or what's going to happen, because he is, uh, we haven't heard anything since back then. He, he, I forgot to keep following him, but he's been put into, uh, he was kept in isolation for double the time, but shouldn't that time have been, have been up? I mean, I haven't read a single thing about, uh, about what they're, what they're going to say now. They've been doing all this testing on him. The whole thing is a big, uh, a big fart. So, um, as, as these things usually are. Well, well, right, but my point was to show how the Jewish media spins spins the well, story yeah, differently well, sure in different does. countries and, sure. and how if um, if McDonald's assessment of Brevik's writing is right, Brevik has to be a shill. That had to be – he couldn't have written that. That had to be written in order to accomplish some Jewish agenda and, and not to represent Brevik's too – there's way too many – there's way yeah, too much cognitive dissonance in it. Yeah, he he doesn't make sense. If you put all the things together with him, it, it doesn't hold together as a single individual, who who uh, who who's actually behind all this stuff. So, um, but talking about uh, what I did like especially, because I've been having my own my own uh, going around with uh, with these people who are supposed to be on our side, um, and 
if if a Jew is uh, criticizing Jews, this is this is what I find a real problem in this um, movement. And it's not in the uh, identity movement; it's just in the white nationalist movement or the white identity white identity movement. Um, if a Jew is criticizing Jews, it means more. So they just go they just go gaga. Any Jew that comes along that criticizes Israel, or you know says even in a mild way, and and they just love that. And I don't see why we should. I, it really bothers me when we. This is just another way of catering to Jews. Of you know that if they if they show a little bit of uh, understanding for our situation or a little bit of uh, a, a speak out a little bit against uh, other Jews, then they're some kind of heroes, and we're supposed to pay attention to them, no matter what else they're doing or saying, which generally is not very good. So um, this this whole idea, I think, uh, needs to be broken, and I hear it on my own network, Voice of Reason, all the time, and it just bugs me. I don't, I'm don't. i speaking out about it here because I would like to, you know, you when you're on a network, you know, you really shouldn't be uh, criticizing the other hosts uh, to any great extent. And uh, but I'm always want, I'm I would like to do it because it bugs me the kind of things that they say on their programs. Um, and it's like um, you know what I'm saying, and then they're they're kind of undoing what I'm saying. Of course, people can believe what they want, but I wonder if you're if your listeners here <clears throat> and if these people. I think. Uh, I don't know how many of them listen to VOR, but uh, and I don't know if they listen to some of these uh, other people's mm-hmm. programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the one I'm thinking about now, I'm going to say him, uh, Robert Stark. He's a young man, lives in, he was brought up in Southern California, in multicultural Southern California, went to a high school where uh, he was a white minority, and of course he learned to get along with everyone, and he says he's He's, you know, for the white race and identifies with the white race. And But he he uh, has two shows a week now. But he brings on Jewish guests and he talks. He starts out with some kind of good uh, comments, but by the second half, he's, he's just pretty much in agreement with them. And, uh, and they're um, showing Jews in the best light possible and so on. And, and I, you know, this is supposed to help us. To listen to Jews, and uh, I, I don't know what it's supposed to do for us. I find the whole the whole thing is just uh, bothering me, and I don't hear people speaking out against it, uh, except you. You and know, well, one person here or there, but you know, not 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 any kind of host or people who have a voice, even like uh, Kevin McDonald. Well, well, right, and, and that's a, a lot of people, I, I don't know if they're just scared or if they want to foolishly believe that there could be good Jews. And, and, oh, they and do. Oh, they do. From, from they a, cannot bring themselves, it's this extermination thing. They cannot bring themselves to say or to even think, well, we have to not have any Jews. Now, I know this a, is the Christian identity be, thing, but I'm just talking about white identity. They can't bring themselves to that, so they have to believe that we're going to uh, we're going to change these Jews. You know, you talk well, about the, the leopard changing its spot. Well, we know that we're not going to change them, but we're going to change them, and and we're going to we're, we're all going to come to some reconciliation. That's not going to happen. 
I want to see a good Jew that will go to Palestine and convince all the Jews to move to Palestine and leave white people alone. Well, you won't find they're, they're not ever. There's no nobody's ever going to say that. You won't find one. No, no, you won't. No, of course. And and the, even the whites won't say that. They won't. They don't think that's the answer. They'll come up with all kinds of excuses. Oh, I was just visiting with my with a, a white uh, woman friend today who I see very rarely now, but she's so liberal. And as soon as I if I bring up the word Jew, she she won't let me go any further. Um, but, uh, you know, these people, she's an extreme, but I mean, even people on the right, uh, they don't, they don't want to see that as a solution because right away it brings up, uh, Hitler. And then all these people that, that I have met, whose names I have mentioned, um, also will not, uh, they'll, they'll kind of creep around Adolf Hitler and National Socialism, but then, but they'll be generally critical. Well, we don't want any of that back again. And that wasn't the way and so on. Um, so, you know, um, I mean, I, I realize that you can't force these people to change their views, but this is just what, what gets me. And, and at the core of it, at the core well, of they're mentally lazy. They haven't. Jew is criticizing Jews. It's more powerful. It means a lot more. I don't think so, because Jews are allowed to criticize other Jews, but we are not. And when Jews are criticizing Jews, you have two Jews in a conversation and, and no white, you know, none of us talking. Just like, uh, well, I have some examples of that, but I don't want to bring up too many names here and <laughs> just go after too many people. But, um, well, I, I've said a lot here. I'm, I wanted to get this off my chest. I'll, I'll just listen now. And, yeah, um, I'm trying Dave, to get a word Dave, what, Dave, what do you think of that? Um, Still there? <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I'm just, just kind of zoning out, uh, uh, Carolyn. I'm not sure. I wasn't really concentrating. I'm not sure if I know much what you're talking about right now. Um, oh, okay. But well, uh, you probably uh, would have a little bit of difficulty with it. Um, no, I was trying to think of a joke I used to uh, tell. Uh, let me see if I can remember it. Um, um, oh, here, here, here it is. Have you, I made up this joke. Do you, do you know why the Nazis uh, uh, used Jewish soap? Do you know why the, the Nazis turned the Jews into soap? No, I don't know. Because they used Jewish soap because it was very Gentile on their skin. Well, see, it's that kind of stuff. That's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. It's not, it doesn't look, really help. It doesn't help the situation. But you, you are clever with those kinds of things. Let me, let me try. Let me try this one now. Um, do you know why the Do you know why the Germans uh, 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 turned the Jewish the Jews into lampshades the, the Jewish skin into lampshades? You well, I know that they didn't, so I don't I really know that what the answer to that would be. I was trying to get them to see the light. Okay. No, I don't know. I was just being. No, I, you want to like those Polish jokes. <laughs> okay, Bill. Sorry. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, anyways, um, yeah, I was on and out, Cameron, but we were just 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 the high spot of what you were talking about. I I usually have a comment on just about any topic. What were you talking about again just now? Well, you have to listen. I, I'm going to turn it back over to Bill because I don't want to take over this program here. <laughs> uh, I'm just sitting here patiently. Uh, I, I was wondering if my audio worked or not. <laughs> um, 
Jews, I don't need dogs to tell me how to spot a dog. I don't need a rat to tell me what rats do. I know what rats do. I don't need a roach to tell me what roaches do. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that I need a Jew to tell me about Jewish treachery when we have hundreds of years of history and zillions, or thousands of years of history and zillions of incidents and episodes which illustrate Jewish treachery. And it's not a religious thing. It's a racial thing. Because if it was a religious thing, then every couple of generations, most of the Jews would by chance be good. Yet they've been run out of every nation in, in, in the world at least once, every nation in, in, in the white world at least once, except this nation. This nation's too young. But, but. Well, I hope, they, I hope we'll join, I hope we'll join the, that, that list pretty soon. That they've acted the same way over and over and over again, and whenever they get back into those nations, they continue that same behavior that they undertook to get thrown out in the first place. That they've been a treacherous people, they've been a curse and a reproach everywhere, everywhere they've ever gone, they've been a scourge everywhere they've ever gone, just like the Bible said that they would be. And why and they, is it that these people keep thinking and believing that that Jews are basically good people, and it's just some of them that aren't, and a lot of it is because they've been persecuted and so on? You can't – I guess it's because that's what they're hearing all the time in the channels. That, that's what they're hearing all the time, and Jews know very well that they're experts at propaganda, that they're, they're much better at propaganda than whites are. They always have been, and, and – Whites have too much empathy, and it's always misdirected empathy. Whites are supposed to love their Christian brethren, and whites direct way too much empathy to outside groups and, and at the disadvantage of their own Christian brethren. Man, I got this uh, magazine uh, that I picked up at my dentist's office not, um, after, after you were on my program. Uh, on my hair six hour program, and I and I had to go see the dentist about something, and there I was looking through, and I just took the magazine home with me because I wanted to have it. It's called World, and it's actually uh, inside. You find out that it's a Christian World Publishing or something like that, and it's all Christian and it's all Africans in there. It's it's just what page after page of of white savages and cannibals. black Christian friends, and then. Stories and everything about Africans and showing Africans, Africans, Af that's all they want to do is uh, take care of these Africans and convert all these Africans. And, and it will never be done. They'll never be converted. And, and they're not supposed to be converted. It's, it's disgustingly, disgustingly repulsive. For 500 years, we've been trying to civilize the Africans. They are still brute beasts. They will always be brutally beasts. The Ethiopian cannot change his skin. They cannot change their nature. It's not it's possible. It's their genes, and it's their genes which is revealed in their IQ. I mean, you know, they just don't have it. They're savages and cannibals. They, they, they 
began as savages and cannibals. Nature does not change. The first laws of Genesis, kind after kind, everything after its kind, the dog is always going to do what dogs do. A hundred generations from now, the dog will still pee on the floor and eat the meat off the yeah. table that he's yeah. not supposed to. Things that right. you know, dogs do, that that's they do it because they're dogs. And that's things right. that these black savages do, they do them because they're black savages. Well, now, made, you know, Bill, Mike, I think uh, Dave uh, has some black friends. And Dave is a good guy, but, you know, he's, he's kind-hearted, and, and he's got some black, because he's a vet, and he's got some black veterans friends. So I wonder what, I, I would really, see, I like to confront people. So, Dave, if you're there, what do you think, honestly and truly, uh, you know, how you, you relate to black people? Do you think I'm, uh, you, you disagree with what we're saying? Uh, no, not not really, uh, Calvin. Um, uh, you know, generally speaking, uh, generally speaking, uh, I like black folks. I don't know why. I was a nighttime cab driver all my life, and I took an awful lot of crap from them. But uh, I like to separate good black folks from uh, from the gangbangers and the uh, the punks and everything. But uh, um, well, I but think there's blacks who mean well. They they try to do well, but I think. I agree with Bill that that um, that they're they're in a different uh, they're just in a different I don't want to say class what do you say they're just in a different category than we are, and and you can't mix them. Yeah, like um, tell me if you guys agree with this. Uh, you know how the apostle uh, Paul or the Bible says, uh, yeah, the faith without works is dead. Um, but I tweak that because two, Christians have traditionally interpreted that the, the, uh, that the works are supposed to be like, for example, feeding these uh, these starving uh, uh, kids of the DACA races uh, and, and everything, even though their fathers won't support them. Now, I, I, I don't like that. I don't like that faith. Faith without works is dead. The way I tweak that, and I think it's scriptural because Paul talked about fighting the good fight and everything. I, I always say faith without fight is dead. Forget the faith without works. Stop feeding all these colored people all around the world and thinking that that was the works that the, the Lord was talking about. Uh, faith without fight is dead. And we're going to be dead ducks pretty soon. If Christians don't start fighting, uh, we're going to be dead ducks. So, so I always say faith. I'm a fighter. The heck with the, the heck with feeding. The, uh, the heck with well, maybe, maybe, maybe Bill can, can give his interpretation of those words from Paul. Christians are told to feed their brethren. They're told to take care of each other. They're told it's always in the context of other Christians. It's always in the context of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You cannot take any of the do-good scriptures in the Bible outside of that context. Let's go read the entire epistle of James. There's no, why was there never an apostle to the Egyptians. Why aren't Paul's letters written to the Hutus and the Tutsis? Yeah. Well, why is there no epistle of Paul to the Nubians? Because they're not the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They have no God. Yahweh is only the God of Israel, period. Christ only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, period. We were never to try to create Israelites out of savages, we can only yeah, create and, and, Israelites. And today, people, people's mentality. Out 
And the churches teach that when he says that lost sheep of Israel, somehow he means everybody. You know, everybody is a potential lost sheep if they if they want no, to. No, uh, the lost sheep were lost <laughs> in the Old Testament. The Old Testament talks about the lost sheep. Isaiah, uh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter 34 states, "My sheep have wandered over every mountain," and it talks about the lost sheep in the context of the children of Israel. The book of Isaiah tells us explicitly where God would send the lost. The, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The book of Isaiah explicitly states where the children of Israel were going to be sent in their deportations by the Assyrians. And it lists an explicit, identifiable list of nations where the children of Israel would be sent to. They would be sent to Lud and to Pul and to Tarshish and, and to, to um, Javan and and. and when you look in history, and I could prove in history that entire list of Isaiah 66:19, where the children of Israel were going to be sent, stretches from Assyria to Spain. Okay, they could all be enumerated. All of those people in Isaiah 66:19 can be enumerated as the Assyrians, the Ionian Greeks, the Etruscans, and the Spanish, the, the original inhabitants. Of Tartessus, which was what southern Spain was called. It was called Tarshish in the Bible. And it's identified as Tartessus by the Greek historians. Okay? Isaiah 66, 19 states explicitly where the children of Israel would be sent. And from the time of the deportations by the Assyrians over the next 200 years, you have the Galatahi and the Kimaroi appearing in all those places. The children of Israel. We know precisely from Scripture who the children of Israel are. It's precise. It's not a mistake. Hey, William. William? Yes. Hey, can I, yes. Ask, uh, can I ask you a question here? Um, I just want to want to get your opinion um, on this, if you have an opinion on it. But we, uh, Reverend Gale, William Potter Gale, used to think that used to teach that Germany. Uh, and this was one of his most controversial teachings, but that the, the nation of Germany was actually the royal tribe of Judah, and all the kingly bloodlines ran through uh, uh, Germany, which was actually the, you know, uh, Judah, uh, the royal bloodlines of Judah, was actually the, became the German nation. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, well, Germany is actually composed of, of several disparate tribes, right? I mean, disparate tribes of, of the same Scythian and Sarmatian and, and Saka people, right? The Saxons. But, but they're not different races. They're all the same race. But I couldn't say that they're all Judah. But Germany does fulfill some explicit prophecy, which, which includes Judah. Yeah. So I don't know. Alright, so I would say that there's a good part of the tribe of Judah, the real tribe of Judah, the white tribe of Judah, a good part of them are in Germany, yes. But I wouldn't say that all Germans are Judah or that all Judah are Germany, right? Right, because the, 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 uh, the, the royalty is, uh, all the royalty of Europe is really Germanic, huh? Even, even in yeah. England and everything, it has Germanic roots, huh? Well, well, right, the Visigoths and, and the Ostrogoths, yes, and, and, and the Angles and the Saxons, yes, that, that's true. You know, what those, those Hohens, Zolans and uh, all that and everything, and, you know, uh, uh, um, 
uh, yeah, I can't quite think of it right now. I don't want to know what the Hohenzollerns and, and, yeah, right, I, I know who you mean. Yeah, but why are they such traitors? Huh? Because they why sold them. Why are they house of such traitors if they're the true blood? They, why are our people, why are the New England liberals such traitors? Well, why are the California liberals such traitors? Well, what's going to happen to these traitors? I mean, are they going to wake up and realize uh, the truth one of these days, or, or what? Well, or are they, they also lost, or what? Are they make me sick, these liberals. That they're either going to be wake up and, and see the truth and, and switch sides, or, or they're going to be punished along with the beast and thrown into the lake of fire. I, I mean, they're going to be punished. In, well, in if this they're world. Israel, how can that happen to them? Well, well, you know something. There's two kinds of punishment, and and the children of Israel all live in the spirit. Paul of Tarsus says, "Kill the body so that the spirit can live in the day of Christ." Right? If you don't come out from the beast, you're going to be punished in this life. I mean, you'll you'll have uh, your spirit will not die, but you will be punished in this life. There's no doubt. And and that's no. a holy teaching. Well, when Babylon falls. All of our people that don't come out of Babylon are going to be punished along with it. They're going to suffer in this world. Well, they're causing, you know, these, these traitors are causing an awful lot of suffering of, uh, of, of our people. Uh, they really are, aren't they? I mean, they, what they do is just outrageous. Well, yes, I mean, they, they are. They may not be doing it personally, but they're causing it to be. To be well, look at all the Southern evangelicals that are fervent Zionists and, and fervent supporters of the Jews and how much money they send to the Jews. And, and it all gets used in crime. Sonny to Palestine, it comes back as Oxycontin and, and, and um, what, what are those club drugs that they, they like to take, all that yeah, garbage? Yeah, yeah. It's being manufactured in Palestine. Ecstasy and everything, yeah. That's the what I'm trying to think of. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, you know, yeah. your mouth. oh, go ahead, Cameron. You go ahead. Go ahead, David. Oh, I, I um, William, when I'm in Boston now, it's something that, something I've noticed for years, and most white people seem to be blind to it, but the, uh, all those, those Jews down on Madison Avenue that control all the advertising in this country, they've, uh, they've, they've, they've eliminated the white European men in, in all their advertising, and especially, say, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed man. Uh, they've completely, in all advertising, they've completely disassociated the white man from the white woman. They, they've eliminated the white man or the white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, or like an Irish-looking guy or a Scotsman with red hair. They'll, they'll take the woman, but she's never, ever shown next to the white man. They'll take the white woman and say, you know, whether it's advertising at the mall or, you know, at the bank, uh, military recruit, everything, military recruitment posters, uh, banking plans. Well, they want medical the white woman, but they don't want the white man. Yeah, yeah. Well, They'll surround the white woman with a, with an Asian, and say a group photo. They'll show the white woman, but she's surrounded by a, a black and an and, a, and an Asian and a Hispanic and and uh, you know it's so obvious they've completely eliminated the, the white man in, in all it's advertising. It's not just in Madison Avenue. It's it's in this magazine I'm talking about called World. They have the same yep. kind of. Cameron, what I'm saying is the Madison Avenue, the, the Jews control oh, know, uh, all the advertising agencies, and, and they control all the advertising. I know, I know. Even up at the church, even up at the Mormon, uh, the Mormon uh, uh, historic site there, 
<clears throat> all the Mormon literature, now, all the Mormon um, uh, uh, little cards and everything about you can have an eternal family and everything, it's all non-white people. They're all these Hispanics and blacks yeah. and Asians. Well, what do we think about the, ner- the, the Mormons, Bill? Oh. What are we supposed to think about the Mormons? Well, well, they've sold out, just like the Baptists sold out in the fifties. The Baptists, what were, um, what were commanding segregation in their churches in the nineteen fifties, and by the nineteen seventies, the Baptists were, were um, marrying mixed marriages, and and they were all with it. it. It was government pressure. It was Jewish pressure, Jewish media pressure, and and U.S. government pressure. And, and the Mormons followed suit. The Mormons went underwent the same pressure, and, and they followed suit. And, 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 you know, for years, blacks weren't even people, and, and, and they were the cursed race of Cain, and, and, and the disembodied angels, which is what Christian identity should believe, that, that the, um, the, the non-white races didn't, weren't created by God, they were created by the, the rebellious fallen angels, if you want to call them that. Well, well um... So for years the Mormons believed that, and now all of a sudden they're people and 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 that they're in the churches. Yeah, I know a good. Uh, there's a very good Christian who uh, who runs a very well known website and has a big activity. Uh, Charles Colson, no Carlson, Charles uh, Charles Carlson, not not Charles Carlson. And uh, he made a statement that I've never forgotten. He said that Mormonism is. Uh, Oh no, I forgot what how that went. Mormonism is is uh, is Christian Zionism in in uh, what do you call it, like high gear or something like that. You know, in uh, well, well, overdrive. Mormon, how about that overdrive? I agree with Mormonism, right? I, I mean, I could never agree with Mormonism even as, as it first came from from um. Well, was I'm trying to think of that not Joseph Smith, but that that second big Mormon. What was it? Oh, oral Brigham Young. Brigham Young. Thank you. Brigham Young, it, I, I wouldn't even agree with Brigham Young, right? Mormonism is basically a fraud. The Book yeah. of Mormon is a fraudulent book. It's not a real yeah. book, okay? It, it's basically um, it, it's basically excerpts from the Bible with, with a whole, you know, jumbled up and mixed up with a whole lot of bullshit mixed in with it. And, and yeah. that's Mormon. That, and that's you have all these really intelligent people who follow that. I don't get it. Yes, you know, you know, Captain Jonah. Oh, Carolyn, do, 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 do you know that, um, do you know that, uh, per capita, the, the, the Mormons have, have the highest rate of doctorate degrees of any denomination in this country. So they're, they're highly educated. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, I agree with, uh, William, though, that back in the days of, like, say, Ezra Taft Benson, uh, he wrote a book, and, uh, have you ever heard of the book, uh, William, An Enemy Hath Done This by Ezra Taft Benson? No, I, I don't read anything like that. Yeah, it was very, you know, anti-communist and everything, and he actually foretold everything that's happening to our country. But then, um, evidently, the church was infiltrated, and and uh, then the next thing you know, you get Spencer W. Kimball is having this revelation that now blacks can be can hold the holy priesthood, and the next thing you know, you get Dieter Uchtdorf from East Germany. He's becoming uh, uh, first counselor of, uh, in the first presidency to, and, uh, from East Germany and everything and stuff. But I, it's just been the infiltrated 
it by the by the commies. You know, it used to it used to be a good years ago. It used to, and I'm not saying it was the true church or anything, but at least it used to be a good Native uh, Native American church with predominantly you know white people composed of white people and everything. Now all the emphasis, every flyer and every little card and everything I saw with this visitor center today had a non-white people on it. That that I said to the man, I said, boy, this church has really gone global, huh? So he said, oh, and then he started boasting about it and everything. How, uh, um, you know, but all the emphasis is on these uh, non-white, non-white people. Uh, uh, all yeah. the mission of the emphasis. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I put the communists and the Jews together. I, both of them bother me just about equally. And uh, well, well, Jews are communists, and communists, if they're not Jews, they should be. I know. Hey, know, they're, they're, they're equally uh, dangerous and harmful. Uh, oh, hey, I have a question that I'm dying to ask both uh, both William and Carolyn here. How about um, how about the the World Church of the Creator? Ben Classen's World Church of the Creator and Pontifex Maximus Matt Hale is rotting away in prison because he got railroaded for trying to uh, conspire to kill the federal judge. There, uh, are you guys familiar with the the World Church of the Creator and the White Man's Bible? And well, I'm familiar that? with it, and uh, I used to find it interesting, but you know, it's totally antichrist. So. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. That's why. That's why I can't embrace it. Uh, uh, that's why I can't embrace it, Calvin. Because, no, because I wouldn't think you could. No, you know, you know, I'm not going. I'm not going to deny the Lord because the Lord has been real in my life, and I wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for the Lord. So I didn't just get the Lord out of the pages of the Bible. I've actually experienced the power of the Lord Jesus oh. in my life. Oh, and well, what, yeah. What do we? What do we think about this Church of the Creator? They're not very big, and they're not. They don't have very many. Well, well, very much well we like to call them creatards, right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I asked a, a, a um, I, I had a creator adherent who who was actually a good friend, and, and we'd fight about religion all the time, right? And he was uh, he he was um, stubborn as a mule. I think he just never wanted to give in to me, right? He, and I asked him one day, so who's the creator? World Church of the Creator. So who's the creator? And he looked at me and he said, we are. And I'm like, what do you mean we are? He said, yeah, our DNA, we created ourselves. I said, come on, man, nothing comes from nothing. That's one of my favorite sayings is um, ex nihilo nihil fit. Nothing comes from nothing. And, and and it's true. Nothing comes from nothing. Nothing. You, you can't. I, I mean, I know it's a it's a well worn adage, but but you you get a junkyard. You, you're not going to produce a new Lexus out of the parts in the junkyard. They're not going to assemble themselves. It's not going to happen. And and um, he would insist that he was the creator because his DNA created him and in, into evolution. And, and I would reject that. And and. I really believe that creators are racist, but they're immoral. Just like a lot of pagans, they're racist, they're nationalists, that they treat their, their fellow whites good, but they're not, that they all have, or seem to have to me, a moral hurdle which prevents them from understanding Christianity. Because they don't. Okay, want that, that's their really interesting people. to me. What? What? How can you say more about the morale? What way are they immoral? How does that immorality exist? Well, well, they fall into the Jewish paradigm of open sex. Yeah, you know, it's, have any girl yeah. that comes along that wants to give it yeah. up to you, 
and they fall into yeah. that lock, stock, and barrel. And all the pagans I knew, and, and all the you know the other creator types and skinheads, they all had that idea that they could have sex with anybody they wanted at any time they want, and they don't want anybody telling them who should be in their bedroom and who shouldn't. Yeah, it's just it's this freedom thing gone kind of extreme. I think this freedom thing is a real crux, and it's difficult because uh, we we don't want to be. Um, uh, bound, and yet uh, we can't be. Uh, we can't just have all the freedom we want. So well, well uh, right, but we also where... can't have a functional, civilized community when we're all sleeping with each other. No, I hate that. And, and I, I don't like that. that. I mean, I just couldn't uh, couldn't go along with that. Um, I, I've uh, known a lot of pagans that that even though they seem to be good white nationalists, you could not convince them that they can't have the skinny little Chinese girl that they have their, their designs on. Yeah. Yeah. And they well, like well, Japanese women too. Yes. Well, and, and so well, so I all think, young Asian women, they love young Asians uh, who are very uh, delectable looking, I guess, and all. Um they don't always they, so well. they look like little yellow monkeys to me. I could never have one. Oh, well, that's because you're, you know, some people are really understand and like their own people, and then then there's people who just want to go and try all this other stuff out. You yeah, know? Hey, William, uh, William and Callan, you, you, you can't believe this city of Boston. It's just being taken oh. over by the, by the Chinese. And and all in in Boston and everything they, they and and all in the uh, they advertise it in all these sleazy newspapers. All, all these Chinese girls are they're prostitutes and they're and these white guys go to them and everything and it's under the you know they say they're just massage parlors uh, and, and everything and and uh, none of the laws against prostitution or anything are enforced or anything and uh, it's almost like the. the the Chinese uh, are dominating, like, uh, the, the prostitution and everything in Boston uh, now. And, um, well, well, Bill wrote that, uh, went to Philadelphia and wrote about it and said that the Philadelphia was had a huge Chinese population, too. Huge yeah. Chinese population? I couldn't believe right. it. I, 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 I saw that was in, back in Manhattan in the 90s in Chinatown. I saw so many, so many of them. Yeah, well, these and, Chinese, and I this Chinese takeover may be happening without most of us realizing it. Uh, I really believe that they're allowing them to colonize. No. Hey, you know, I well, they got enough of them in China. How many places do they have to be? Gee whiz. Hey, uh, you know, uh, uh, I agree, William, with you and Caroline very strongly on the on the Christian uh, value of holy matrimony and, and monogamy. That, that's the one thing that I really like about the Mormons is, the, is their inf- emphasis that, you know, when you get married to somebody, if you find your true love, it's not just until death do you part, that it's for all time and eternity, even in the life hereafter. How many times, and, though? Huh? How many times? Oh, well, yeah, right. Well, uh, you know, now they're, of course, they've outlawed the, the, the polygamy. But, you know, I shouldn't, I'm not proud of this, but let me just say this, that I was a nighttime cab driver all, all my life, and I, I'm too honest, but here it goes. I'm always too honest, but uh, I, up in Alaska, there's all these strip clubs, the Great Alaskan Bush Company and everything, and I used to drive around all these exotic dancers and prostitutes and exotic, the, even these beautiful showgirls from Las Vegas and uh, and everything that beyond the circuit and everything, but I just want to say, and, and I'm speaking from experience, that 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 I, I 
I uh, I lived that lifestyle for a while, just, just uh, be, being being profligate and promiscuous and all that stuff. And um, I haven't been that way for a number of years now. I'm just completely celibate and chaste, and I've been there, done that, and it's not where it's at at all. Like, you know, the, the Mormons, at least on the on the idea of um, you know finding your true love and, and having one special person that you build your world around and all that sort of thing. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's where it's at. All this whoring around. Uh, whether you know, and when I use that word her, and I'm talking about the men too, whoremongering around and everything, it's nowheresville. And so I agree with her. I don't know. Maybe this is something that we come to learn as as we get older. That uh, uh, that whole whole you know, uh, like well, like Jesus said originally, you know, uh, that he didn't allow divorce, and it was Adam and Eve, and and that and that was it, you know. And um, uh, well, I th- I do think it is hard for for older people to tell young people who haven't experienced much that they can't do this and that. I don't know, that's, that's a hard thing to do, and that's why so many young people who are brought up in kind of strict Christian families rebel and go off and do, do what they want to do. Well, I don't know what the answer to that is, and I'm not even trying to look for it because that's not... Well, well, when I was when I was young, I was a slut, and I had a, a living girlfriend for a couple of years, and and no children with her. But then I had three children with my first wife, and three children with my second wife, and I, I wish I could do it all over again and do it right, but I can't. Yeah, and, but and it's over. With. I, 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 whenever I think about doing things over again, if you have to go back to the same mindset, you can't go and do it over again and be who you are today. That's not doing it over again. So well, you well, have right. to do the same thing. So uh, I do think that there is a uh, often we just have to experience things, and that's just like Dave said. He realized that's not where it at where it's at. And if you have any any good decency in you, you do realize that's not where it where it's at. And 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 then you've gotten it out of your system. Uh, well, you know, my son expressed dissatisfaction with me for for um being divorced to his mother. She filed for divorce actually, but that's the way it works, right? And, and um. I told him, I said, look, I know I screwed up, but why don't you do this? Why don't you get a wife and have kids and stay faithful to her and, and keep her for the rest of your life, and then you'll be a better person than me? That's what yeah. I told him. Yeah. And he understood so that. Know. I said, you learn from my mistakes, then you'll be a better man than me. Yeah, but if you go, my you go, father always make, said that he realized that you can't, you can't teach your children from your own experience, you, they, in the end, they're going to have their own. That, every, I do think we have to learn from experience. In fact, I don't think we learn any other way, unfortunately. Yeah, the, um, the, the these, I say, you know, this is a little, maybe a little bit harsh, but it's a truth. Well, I don't know if we love it or not. I'd like to get some feedback so I know I'm even still on, still on the air. Oh, you know, I'm just going to, can you hear me, William? Are we still on the air? (laughs) Oh, can you hear me? Oh, can you hear me, William? Evelyn? Oh, I hear hear you, Dave. So maybe maybe we need to get off and uh, let Bill carry on with his show. No, I'm fine. I'm having a headset problem. If I don't get another 
Oh, I'm having a headset problem. I couldn't, I, I couldn't hear Carolyn's response to what I said, but because my, my um, speaker's tight. I'm sorry. Well, maybe that's a good thing, Bill. I, I put it this way, that, um, you know, the, the, the Jews and the filthy Jews like filthy Jew Hefner and everything, they've actually turned our, our precious American woman, our, our lovely American woman, but they've, they've, they've actually turned them into just filthy Jewish sex objects. And, well, and I I'm, wish... Huh? But it's Jew Hefner's fault. It, 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 it's our fault for permitting it. We permitted it. The Jews launched a culture war against us, just like they launched it against Germany. And the culture war against us started in the 1920s, just like it did in Germany, actually before the 1920s, just like Germany. Adolf Hitler um, and, and all of the National Socialists were very moral men that stood up to Jewish immorality and tossed the wolves out of the sheepfold. In America, when the Depression hit, the Roaring Twenties, it was off the chain. There was all kinds of immorality in the 1920s. And when the Depression hit, all of a sudden, people found God. The skirts dropped again. Women closed their legs. That They, they were scared. And, and America turned for a time, back towards morality. After we destroyed our German brethren on behalf of the Jew, the culture war in America was launched again in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. Americans let it happen. Not enough people spoke out against it for long enough. We, God, you know, he's, we're still in that state of 2,520 years punishment. And, and Christians don't understand this. We're still being punished. As long as there are Jews on this planet and other races living amongst us, we're in that state of punishment for our own disobedience that the Bible told us that we were going to undergo. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to accept evil. And when people sit there in their pews and they know damn well what the Bible says, but their minister's up there saying that two men can get married and they don't throw his ass out on the street, they deserve everything they get. Oh. Yeah, it's terrible, uh, uh, William. Yeah, you, you know, I, 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 Carolyn posted the thing there, the two can play trash. I take all that stuff, all these salacious ads uh, in all these magazines. Uh, I take and I, I throw the whole, the whole damn stack of magazines and newspapers right in the trash, right in the dump stuff. So, well, well uh, right, but Americans have been being shovel-fed, all this smut, and, and it's not only Playboy. Playboy is the end of it, right? I, I mean, that, and there's, there's a whole realm of pornography beyond Playboy, but Playboy's the end of it. What about all the smut in Hollywood? The people, they know it's smut, they know what they're going to get, they still go plop down six bucks, seven bucks, ten bucks for that movie. They still go right Yeah, and I wonder how many of all the people who listen not only here but to other programs and my program or uh, and uh but I know they're still going to these movies and they're still watching a lot of this stuff. I mean, what does it take? Well, I understand young people it's different when you're when you're really young. It's hard to tell a really young a young person or in their twenties, they have different uh they have different uh hormones well, the than them, dropped you know the ball. I mean hmm? The parents dropped the ball. The parents dropped the ball when the kids were eight, never mind well, 20. Well, the parents dropped the ball, but the, but the culture all around us. The well, parents well, right. can't fight all this culture all around us. 
unless they hide their kids in a you know in a cave with themselves or something. So you know we we need to, how do we seed our these ideas? Um, you know how do we seed our ideas into the populace? We're not doing a good job of it. You you bring home um, Time Magazine. And Time Magazine is extolling hair, and Time Magazine is extolling the exodus or or the exorcist and and all of these other um, vile, anti-Christian, perverted, pornographic movies. And these magazines are extolling these things, and people keep buying the magazines. Why do they buy those magazines? When I was, you know, in my younger years, I read magazines and I went to movies. I was never, when I was a kid, I went to a lot of movies, but not later, not that. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. I did all those things. And then at some point, I stopped, little by little, I stopped it all. I lost interest in it. You know, uh, so uh, there's a difference between people who are young, who are still learning about the world around and wanting to experience things. And uh, and you grow out of a lot of that, just like Dave was saying. So I, I don't think we can... I don't know how we uh, – we have to change our entire culture. We have to have a totally – you know, the people in Germany, I'm sure they weren't perfect uh, in the Third Reich, but they were a heck of a lot better than, than most any cultured nations that we know of. Um, they, they were behaving quite well. They managed to do it without, you know, cutting out the whole rest of the world. But they're now demonized. Completely. Well, well we have to we, we have to identify all of that stuff for what it is. It's trash. It's okay. Jewish trash, and we want nothing to do with it. Oh, no, and no, and no, every time okay. you have the opportunity to raise a point, you have to raise the point. That's Jewish trash. I don't read that. That's, well, that's Jewish what I say. That's why I that's why I brought up in the very beginning about these uh, hosts on on VOR about uh, hosts on other alternative radio about all these people who are supposed to be, you know, in the white nationalist movement who go along with this, that, and the other thing and, and think that uh, that Jews are, are you know, are, are, can be our allies and so on. Uh, all of this, uh, you have to speak up, and, and there's so few to speak up. And I speak up, and then I always get in trouble. You know, I get in trouble, but in the end, it, it turns out all right. But it, it's hard. most people are not going to speak up because they can't take the heat, even a little bit of heat that comes back on them. They, pe- most people can't stand public criticism. Well, well, right, and that's why I started off my program tonight with, with Eli's description of, of Clifton and I as exterminationists. Yeah, right. I can't be well, afraid I know, of you're a the, word. I'm not going to be afraid of a word. No, you're not. You're not. You're, you're, you're exceptional. Thank God. Uh, but there aren't too many. They, know um, they are afraid. E- even the ones that we that we like, uh, they're they're too afraid. They've got something that they don't want to lose, and and I can understand. They they've got books. They don't want to have everything that they've written and done banned, and nobody's gonna you know you can't buy it and so on. They have to be a little careful. But that's where we go wrong. We have to be a little careful, and so we don't say everything that needs to be said. Hey, uh, William and Carolyn, uh, uh, now what do you think about this? Uh, that um, now, now, if we go to the music industry, okay, now I used to listen to Myron C. Fagan and like uh, Red Stars Over Hollywood, and he touched uh, some of his publications and from the uh, Cinema Educational Guild and everything, he talked about the music industry. And I had a friend who, uh, who had a, uh, was very good friends with a top 
music uh, 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 executive, and this this was one of the few uh, non-Jewish music executives. And this is what this is what he what what my friend's ex, uh, music executive friend was told, and this was what Myron C. Fagan said that. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 and let me spit this out now, but in, in Cambridge here, there's a station, the Memory Station. I think it's actually run by a Jew, Bob Bintner, and he goes back and he plays all these beautiful love songs from back around World War II and shortly after World War II, where it's these white men singing the, these beautiful uh, love songs. Uh, and, and everything that would, would melt any woman's, uh, they touch my heart, I'm sure they'd melt any woman's heart. I can't think of all the artists, but just white men singing beautiful love songs. Well, anyways, after we lost World War II and everything, and these Jews really got the stranglehold on America, uh, the, the, the order actually went out in, in Hollywood, in the music, not Hollywood, the music industry, that to, to promote miscegenation, that all love songs, all romantic love songs were never ever to be sung by a white man. They were all to be sung by black men. So, for, so, so all this multi, all these black guys, these white women have just been raised on uh, their whole life. Well, I believe that that did happen. That did happen. Eddie Fisher, the Jew, Nat King Cole, and that other black guy. Um, Eddie Cantor. There's a whole yeah, list. Oh, yeah, that, that other black singer that was Sam so Cook. popular in the Sam 50s. Cook. Uh, Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke. Well, 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 if I was, no, if I was a father, time. if I was a father in the 1950s and my daughter brought home a, a, a record with a nigger on it, I, I would just take it right off her and bust it up right there in front of her. Yeah, well, then she'd get mad at you and hate you. Say, oh, I hate you, Daddy. And I would tell you go out and get these records and you? listen to them with, with bad friends. Well, well, well she's that, not, that doesn't necessarily work. I mean, it does show show them that you don't approve of it. And uh, if if uh, well, well, I don't know. part of the problem, part of the problem is that American fathers sit and they worship Negroes on sports on on TV. Well, they do now. They, yeah, they do. They do now. That's right. They did then too. And they, why, they, why shouldn't their wives be looking at those big, you know? So, so when your daughter brings one home, and, and see, Daddy, I brought home one of your heroes. How do you yeah. say it? What do you say to that? <laughs> yeah. But then you've been worshiping these people all this time, every Sunday, five hours, six hours. Well, what do you say to that? Well, um, well I hate it. it I hate, I hate all these sports. I just think it's just sick. I just think it's, it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. You, you yeah. can't you, you can't allow a little bit. And, and Christians allow well, a little. Can't allow. I, I think we have to somehow have communities. We have to have homeschooling. We have to have our own schooling. You know, the educational system in Germany that they worked out in the Third Reich was so good. It's so good. You know, they taught the they taught this German youth the right ideas. They, they did it in an in an intelligent way. They really did. They still educated them. They weren't hateful or, or terrible, but they they taught them who they were and and what they you know had to uh, stick with, sort of so to speak. And and it all it was all working. It was all working quite well. Um, it's such a it's just a terrible one of the greatest tragedies. Well, uh, well, how that was all destroyed. Homeschool. 
that there's a lot of people in Christian identity to homeschool. It, it's that there's not enough people in Christian identity, but there's a lot yeah. of them that homeschool. <laughs> yeah, well, I would think that they would feel they had to homeschool almost, you know, or send them to some kind of private school, but that gets it all gets expensive. It's all expensive compared to what these uh, these aliens get free in the in the public schools. Well, anyway, I probably should get off. I'm not contributing too much. If nobody wants to call in, I'm, I'm going to end the program. So so um, the program's going to last as long as you guys stay here. I want Tamla to know I, I enjoy uh, hearing you, Tamla, and I enjoy what you're saying. I find it very interesting. Um, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It gets to where I just keep repeating the same thing of what needs to be done, and Bill just put his finger on it that they're not, there's not that many people who are um, involved in it. And well, well people are waking it. up to the Jewish problem, and, and what we need is better propaganda. We always need better propaganda. And, and yeah, you know, I'm, I, I don't look at myself as a propagandist, right? I, I mean, we can't all fill every role, but we need cartoons, we need slogans, we need drawings with slogans, just like um, Goebbels came up with in, in the 1930s. Sure. That's what we sure, need. We, we, don't have, we don't have these bright, intelligent, uh, leader-type people uh, all working together. Now, you, you, know, uh, you are extremely valuable, and you know, we need people who will speak out as plainly as you do. That's this is what I want. I want people, I want our leaders, our leadership to speak much more strongly than they do. You're an example of that, and I'm not. You know, I really, really mean that. And uh, unfortunately, you stand out, practically stand alone right now. As I look around, I don't see anybody um, that that is as good as you in 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 uh, in delineating these these issues and problems and putting it straight. And they don't want, they're afraid to put it straight. And this is what we have to get over. I don't know how. Well, what part of the country uh, are you from? I'm in upstate New York right now. I, I'm my, my mother's, my father's from, um, well, well, my German ancestors on my father's side settled in New York City until they moved up here in, in the 30s and and. My grandfather moved to New Jersey, which was why I was raised in New Jersey. He didn't move up here with his parents and his family. And, and my mother's from Massachusetts. From, my mother's family is from Framingham, Mass. Oh, yeah. yeah they call that Metro West. The Metro West area. Where were you in upstate New York now, are you saying, if I'm following you correctly? Are you kind of in upstate? Where are where are you now? I'm upstate New York. I'm in central upstate New York. I'm I'm over just west of the Catskills. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, the um, that that creep uh, that creep Charles Giuliani and and that creep Ed from Louisiana were taking cheap shots at your your, your name, calling you a rat saint and all that crap. Boy, I, I'd, I'd give them a good punch in the nose if they ever said that in front of me. You know, there was a nice mayor. Well, well, was didn't say in front of me. I guarantee that. <laughs> yeah, what, a, what a cheap shot to make to make fun of somebody's name like that. It's like going up to a fat person and calling them a fat slob or something. I mean, they, you know, you, you, uh, if you, you know, you don't insult people with the obvious. Sure, everybody knows that there's a, a double meaning to that name, but it's it's a it's a proud name, a proud German name. We had a mayor up in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, Mayor Fink. Mayor Tom Fink, 
Uh, he spelled it F I N K. How do you spell yours? Uh, F I N C K. It, it's um, uh, my grandfather used to say that the C stood for Christian. But now nah, there's a lot of German settlers that came over here that are Germans, and I have documentation that originally spelled it F I N K. And, and there's a place oh, in really? Germany. I thought maybe they just all dropped the C because in English they thought it was unnecessary. Well, well, the um, yeah, you know, people. Uh, a lot of people really did. Books weren't really um, a big thing in the 1700s, right? Well, when settlers came over here, I, I have a book that lists all of the original upstate New York German settlers from the Rhineland who were refugees from the Thirty Years' War, and, and a lot of them came from the same villages that my family came from a hundred years later, because my family didn't come here until the 1830s, 1836. Well, well, anyway, a lot of these people are named Fink, and they spell it both ways, F-I-N-K and F-I-N-C-K. But my family, as far as I know, I, I mean, I have my genealogy. It's on Ancestry.com right now, and, and it goes back to 1705 and some marriage in a church in, in the Rhineland, and... um uh, I think that's how far my uncle got it back. Well, well, anyway, it's always been F I N C K in in my family. Yeah, you, um, you know, you know, um, you know, uh, William. I don't know how familiar you and Cavill and I with this with this creep Charles Giuliani, but do you know he used to be on RBN, and he's so stubborn. Do you know, just a few years ago, I'm only talking three or four years ago, <clears throat> he was all on this anti-German garbage. That it was the Nazis that were taking over America. He was all like the, he bought into the Jim Mars thing and Operation Paperclip, and he was constantly uh, ridiculing the German people by speaking in a in one of those phony German accents. <clears throat> I had to move heaven and earth to convince him that the Jews weren't God's chosen people and that the Germans and people weren't the devils and demons and everything. Well, well, now he's gone to the other extreme and everything, where he's calling Jesus the biggest elite Jew. Big but, you know, Dave, this guy, Giuliani, and so many of these people, they're not worth even worrying about. They're not worth talking to or listening to, because uh, giving them all that attention, I realize they do have a lot of people who listen to them, but giving them all that attention just seems to be the wrong, the wrong way to <laughs> He he lives he lives up near me he lives up near me and I I I I I've met him personally he lives up near me just about an hour's drive from where I live but what what what, what one point I want to make is I believe like the greatest enemy in this country that we have the greatest internal enemy is the ADL and I call I you know I call uh, I call. Uh, you know that Abe Foxman, the ADL, Abraham's Defamation League with the Devil. Abraham's Defamation League with the Devil. But Abraham Foxman says that Jesus Christ is the greatest anti-Semite who ever lived, and the gospel mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ is the is the biggest you know anti-Semitic uh, 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 writings of all time. And he calls the Apostles' Creed the the Apostles. Screed. But what I'd like to do, I'd like to buy, since, so, since Giuliani is calling Jesus the biggest elite Jew pig who ever lived, I'd like to buy, I'd like to, to get a gift certificate from a real fancy restaurant or something for two, and I'd like Abe Foxman and Charles Giuliani to have dinner, with, <laughs> and, 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 you know, Charles, Charles, uh, Charles can, can try to convince Abe that Jesus is the biggest elite Jew pig who ever lived, and, 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 and dishonest Abe can try to convince Giuliani that 
that, that Jesus is the greatest anti-Semite who ever lived. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, um, you, you know, to me, to me, if Abe Foxman, let me put it to you this way, if Abe Foxman says that Jesus Christ is the enemy, well, uh, so any, anybody that starts bashing Jesus uh, and everything, as far as I'm concerned, that they're aiding and abetting the true enemy, the Jews, when, when they well, well, that's how comfortable the Jew is. When Abe Foxman can do that, that's how comfortable the Jew is with their control or the control that they think they have over this nation. What they don't realize is that there is a God, and he is in control, and the Jew is going to lose in the end. There's no doubt. Absolutely. You know, William... Christians are going to have to wake up to the fact that the ADL is a, a publicity firm. It's the publicity wing of B'nai B'rith. It's a a part of a it's an agency of a secret society. But I yes. is a secret Masonic society. The ADL is an agency of Benai Brith. It's the ADL, the anti defamation yeah, of Benai Brith. So the ADL, because Benai Brith is also exclusively Jewish, it's a religious society. It's a secretive Jewish religious society is what B'nai B'rith is. So we have this ADL, which is an agency for a secretive Jewish religious society dictating religious policy and teaching about the world's religions to our government, which is supposed to be the government of a Christian nation. That's how it started out. Yeah, and and that, that, where, where is the treachery in that? There's nothing but treachery in that. You know, when we did the um, the, the program series that I did with, with Brian on the Sunday nights on on the Mind Comp, I call it the Mind Comp Project, right? That the um, the podcast there there when when we did the the segment on the sedition trials, it was proven that the ADL was responsible for the sedition trials. They supplied the FBI with all the information that they oh, needed I that. to try these yeah. people, to take really? all these patriots and round them up yeah. and try them for, and, and this Moscow show trial, which went on for three years in the Washington in, in, in Washington in the Roosevelt administration. Like, like, Elizabeth, like Elizabeth Dilling. Elizabeth Dilling was yes, one of them. Yes, her trial. Elizabeth Dilling was one yeah. of them. I mean, there was a whole list of them. Some of them were great people. Some of them weren't so great. But, but they were all basically patriots, and, and they were tried for sedition. For three years they had these people, some of them, on trial. No, I, three I times, three indictments. Well, you know, I can't. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around how evil the Jews are, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's mind-boggling. Never, never has a nation been so good to the Jewish people as America. You know, not 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 only did we welcome them with open arms and they prospered like they've never prospered anywhere else, but you know, how, we we saved them in World War II. And however you want to interpret that, we know about the the hoax at any cost and everything. But in any case, we say if we go with the propaganda, we saved them from extermination. But the, the main point, well, one of the main points I want to make, there's there's not a church in America, whether it's any Catholic or Protestant church, uh, they roll out the, the welcome mat to Jewish people. Any Jew can go to any Protestant church, any Catholic church, and they'd be 
treated so special. Not only would they be welcomed with open arms, but they'd be treated so special, uh, almost, uh, you know, uh, 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 like a true son or daughter of Abraham. And, they'd been, and, you know, everyone would fawn over them, a Jew coming to a Christian church and everything. Uh, you know, we've been so good to them in every sense of the word. In other words, you think the way these Jews have, 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 have treated us. You know, you're going through all this, Dave. And 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 you're, like you're expecting them to be decent people, and we need to just accept that they're not, and and yeah. move on with with what needs to be done. Because uh, I agree. You said you can't get your mind around it. It is hard, and that is always a big problem that the uh, people can't get their mind around uh, yeah. realizing that Jews really are as a as a group. People who we can't tolerate uh, among us, and this yeah, is this is where we can't get our mind. This is what we can't get our mind around. Oh uh, uh, yeah, America, America has been so good to them, and all we've been repaid back by them is with evil. Uh, for, for all our goodness. Yeah, it, it, well, well, if Jews were the children of Abraham, we should all have, um, well, we should all be millionaires the way we've treated them and, and accepted them in our nation, shouldn't we? Every American should be a billionaire. Well, with 5,000 black and Chinese slaves, the way we've treated the, these Jews, if you want to believe that the Jews are the children of Abraham. The truth is that there is no gray area with Jews. There are no good antichrists, period. There cannot be a good antichrist ever. I don't care what comes out of his mouth. When a Jew moves his lips, he's lying. When you've seen a rabbi, there's already been a crime. There's no doubt about it. There can be no good Jews because they're all antichrists, period. And no, when Christians start to actually read their Bible, you know, Christ told these people, you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. They were interlopers. They were infiltrators. That is the pattern they've set all throughout history. They're interlopers and infiltrators wherever they go, where they're not accepted with open arms, and even where they are. You think all these Arab states in Palestine hate the Jews just because they're in Palestine? The Mossad has infiltrated every one of those Arab states, and the Arab people know it. The Mossad causes all the... I don't have any love for Arabs, don't get me wrong, but the Mossad has caused all the turmoil in the Middle East, and the Arabs know it. Mm-hmm. And they've caused all the turmoil here. We have Anders Brevik. Jews put him up to that. He did that for Jews. We have 9-11. Jews did 9-11. 7-7 in Britain. Jews did that. It wasn't bad Arabs. It wasn't bad Jews. And good Jews pointed out. They're all bad Jews because you can't have a good Antichrist. Period. Christ cursed the fig tree. The the fig tree, it it can be proven in the scripture, represents Jerusalem. And he said, there will be no good fruit from you forever. There's no room for good fruit to come out of Jerusalem after 70 AD. There's no room for anybody who's professed Judaism for all these generations to possibly be considered good by Christians. Period. It's black and white. A lot of these people who are... are, uh in the white identity movement are not Christians or only nominal Christians. And they're not going to take the Christian argument. It doesn't mean anything to them. They're too busy reading their academic uh, work. 
Well, well, that's right, but history proves my Christian argument. History proves it. You look at all the history of Europe and all the treachery the Jews have done in Europe, history proves that the Christian argument is the correct argument. And, and if they want to ignore 2,000 years of history, well, then they deserve to be whores for the Jews. They deserve to be Satan's sluts. Because that's well, what they maybe are. We just have, maybe if we're just going to go down the tube so far, uh, that, uh, what do you think about this, uh, I shouldn't, this silly, uh, Occupy Wall Street? I mean, there's something, there's somewhere there's something to it. But you get so, so co-opted. Yeah, but it's there's still the anger, the anger against, uh, against these money masters and people's awareness that they're Jews. I think that's, that's real. The Jews are harnessing that anger so they can control it, just like mm -hmm. the tea parties. A lot of legitimate patriotic people went to the tea parties. The Jews harnessed it so yeah, that they could Yeah, that's true. That's, and that's true. They, they do it because they own the media. They can do that. And, and, and they, they own a lot of other stuff, too. So they can do it, and they are doing it. But it still shows that people are ready to uh, want to get rid of these, these uh, parasites. But uh, but they're not going to succeed because they're going to be taken. They're being taken over, and uh, this this is the sad thing. I don't. Did you you know that up here in Boston a couple of days ago, Hanky Panky Break the Banky Bernanke actually visited the the, Bo the Boston branch of the Fed, which which uh, uh, the the occupied Boston people are right in front uh, of the. Boston branch of the Fed in, in a place called mm -hmm. Dewey Square, Square, right in front of the mm -hmm. Fed. Panky, panky, blank, break the banky, Bernanke wouldn't even speak a few words to, words to them. Uh, he snuck up. He snuck up. What's that one? I said he's scared to death. He's afraid to come out and face people. He hides in his, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah he snuck out the back and everything. And the the heavily, heavily, heavily armed guards and everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but hey, now let me run this past you guys and, and tell me what you think of this. I believe that the Bible teaches that the Jewish Messiah is coming, and I'm not talking about Jesus. Jesus, I believe, is the Christian Messiah. I believe Jesus is the King of the Christians, not the King of the Jews. But I, I believe the Bible teaches that Jesus says, "I come in my Father's name, and uh, and you reject me, but another shall come in his own name, and him you shall receive." See, he came in his Father's name. That's why he said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But I believe the Bible teaches that all, and see, see, like the Mormons and these ordinary Christians, and I mean, they think that all this evil is building up to the second coming of Christ. But, but I believe that's completely wrong. I believe all this evil is building up to the man of evil, the man of sin, the son of perdition, the lawless one, the Antichrist, the Antichrist of all Antichrists. And I believe the Jews are going to accept, and he's none other than Satan's son, the son of Satan. And can you imagine these creepy Jews are actually, I believe the Bible teaches, they're going to receive Satan's son as their Messiah. And when they do, the whole world is going to follow the Jewish lead like they always do. And um, in other words, Jesus, by and large, was rejected. But the whole world is going to worship this uh, this coming Jewish Messiah. And I go over my... Huh? I think you need to listen to my re revelation chapter again, right? To my Revelation podcast again. <laughs> I, I never yeah, listened to, listen to those, Dave. You should listen to, to uh, Bill's Revelation podcast. 
They're they really need, very they, good. They really need to listen to my Revelation podcast. The, the no, I just found out about you, but but I, I will listen to them. Uh, yeah, why, you, you know how to get to ChristianGinian.org? You know, you've uh, got that big website. Yeah, yeah, I got the Christagenia, which is Bill's okay. website, right? And um, uh, but uh, uh, you know, actually, Jesus comes the second time. The reason he comes the second time is to destroy the Antichrist and the beast kingdom. No, no, the Jews are the Antichrist. The Jews yeah. are the beast. The beast came out of the pit in the French Revolution with the emancipation of the Jews. It's all detailed, 2,000 years of history in concert with the revelation of Jesus Christ are detailed in my 14 Revelation podcasts. Oh, well, I'll listen to them, Bill, but do you you mean to tell me that you you don't believe that there's a Jewish Messiah that's still coming? The Jews are their own Messiah. They believe they're their own Messiah. They don't have a Messiah. The Jews don't have a Savior. The Jews are all going in a lake of fire. They think in their Talmud that they are their own Messiah. They're humanists. They don't really believe in God. They might say God GD with their lips, but they really don't believe in God. You get those those Orthodox rabbis, you get them pinned down, you'll find out that the Jews believe that they are their own Messiah, and, and they are God. Yeah, I, I know what the Jews do. I know a lot of the Jews believe that way, Bill, but I believe that the the, the Bible teaches that this, this far, God himself was sending this no, powerful no, the man, I, and, I and, and, How about the, all the scriptures? You're not going to be able to buy or sell unless you receive well, where, the money. Where do you find that there's a Jewish uh, Messiah coming uh, before Jesus comes? Well, well, where do you find that? Uh, 2 Thessalonians oh. chapter 2, right? It, it, Dave, it, it, slow it, it, down. Slow down, Dave. I read Greek. I have my own translation of the New Testament. All the text was on my website. I'm, a, I'm really a classic scholar, right? That's what I do. I read the classics. I translate Coin Greek. That's, that's my real core study right there, right? In the Bible. And, and if you read my translation of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which is what you're talking about, you'll find yeah. that Paul was talking in the present tense. He was talking about the people in his time who were sitting in the temple of God, pretending for themselves to be God. Paul is speaking in the present tense of people in his time. Paul was speaking about the Edomite Jew. John in his epistle says that many anti people say the Antichrist will come, and John says many Antichrists have already come into the world. And he said he, he used the Greek word that means to be born into the world. Read my translation of the first epistle and the second epistle of John. The Antichrist has the Antichrist been destroyed by the brightness of Christ's second coming? The scripture says he's gonna be he's gonna be taken with the false prophet and cast into the lake of fire. Has that happened yet? That means that that all the will be destroyed at Christ's second coming. Yeah, and the the beast and the false prophet are thrown into the How many Jews can fit in a Volkswagen? Oh, I've heard this one before, but you mean to tell me you don't believe that the Antichrist beast system is coming where you won't be able to buy or sell without the, without the mark of the beast and all, all those who, who uh, will not worship this Jewish what society? You're doing, uh, what, you're doing, huh? what you're doing is you are mixing up 
two different chapters of the Revelation. You're, you're taking prophecy out of context, is what you're doing. Listen to my Revelation podcast. And you know, Dave, you should get his uh, you should get his New Testament, his translation. I should get it too. Okay. Send me an address, and I'll 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 buy two, and I'll mail you one. Well, no, let me ask you this, though, and I haven't, you know, I'm going to listen for sure, but, um, you know, let me ask you, Bill, now, when it's five is slowing down here, do you believe that this, do you believe that this is at least leading up now to this, uh, where you're not going to, where they, you know, that, uh, no, where they're going to do away with money, the market, we, we buy and sell with the mark of the beast, that you can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast, you believe in the mark is mentioned twice in scripture. And I explain this in, in the Revelation prophecy, and I explain it in great detail. The first time the mark of the beast is mentioned, it's in connection with the first beast of Revelation, the second beast of Revelation chapter 13, which is the papacy, okay? And during the rule of the papacy over Europe, people couldn't buy or trade or sell unless they were obedient to their Catholic bishops and to the Pope. That mark of the beast is past. The second time the mark of the beast comes, and I explain this, and I explain it in the historical context of the prophecy, people take it upon themselves, the mark of, It's not imposed upon them. The first time it was imposed upon them when people couldn't buy or trade without being good, obedient Catholics. That really happened. If you don't believe that happened, look up the power of interdict, which the popes had over the kings and people of medieval Europe. That's what it's called, the interdict, I-N-T-E-R-D-I-C-T, was very real in medieval Europe. If you weren't an obedient Catholic, you were excoriated from your community if you didn't obey the pope, didn't show up at church, didn't do everything the Pope wanted you to do, and, and were a good little boy, you couldn't buy or trade or sell. And that really happened in our past. Now, this mark of the beast that people have now, they've taken upon themselves. The beast come out of the pit. The eighth beast, and, and this is spoken about in my podcast in great detail, is world Jewry. And these people that are worshiping the Jews rather than Christ, they are taking upon themselves the mark of the beast. So worship of the Jews or, or uh, going along and, uh, and accepting the, the Jews and so on is the mark Jews of the beast. Are, Makes sense to me. The Jews well, are the beast. And, and these southern evangelicals that worship the Jews, they, they don't care about Jesus. They don't care about their brother. They care about those Jews. And and yeah. you can't say anything bad about the Jews, or, or they're just going to whoop your butt. Yeah. Oh, oh I know. The, the Mormons are the same. The Mormons are the same way. They're rabid, rabid Zionists. Uh, they, in fact, they hope, the, since they're the temple builders, they hope to to rebuild the uh, the, the the temple in Jerusalem, the uh, the the, the so called tribulation temple. The Mormons uh, have designs to build that uh, final temple over in uh, Jerusalem. Well, well there's, there's one very sparse scripture that they point to, to for, for the veracity of that, and, and it's a lie. They're taking that scripture out of context. Yeah, so I'll... I'll you know, religion, religion leads itself to such fanaticism. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing so fanatical as... Uh, even politi- political, there's a lot of political fanaticism, but religious fanaticism has that beat by a mile. Uh, 
you know, it just... Uh... Can I jump in? Hello, yeah. Mona. Hi there, William. It's nice to talk to you and you, Carolyn. And Dave from Massachusetts, are you there? Uh, yes. Is this Mona? Yes, it is. Yeah, I'm from California? Yes, sir. I sent you a Christmas card about two or three years ago. Oh, I received it, uh, Mona. Uh, I sent you some emails and stuff. Did you ever receive them? Uh, a couple I of have emails? not received a word from you. I've gone to dayformmassachusetts.wordpress.com. Apparently, it's completely out of uh, function for the last two years. And yes, I'm wondering I if you can give us a website or an email address or something, because huh? you're missing out on a lot of adulation from your fans like me, because you're isolated. Yeah, well, I, I've, I've been experiencing a lot of persecution, and I don't have the access code. i got to get some. So I don't know how I'm going to do, do it. Uh, somebody that knows about how to deal with uh, WordPress.com, and I don't have the access code. I, I know there's a whole bunch of comments that I can't post because I, I just my stuff was packed, not by me, and, and it's, I've been knocked from pillar. Hey, believe me, when you fight these wicked, evil Jews like I do, you suffer unbelievable persecution. I won't go into okay. it. Yeah. Dave, do you have an email address? Yeah, yeah, I do. I have a new email address now. You feel like broadcasting it here in the chat room? Oh, I don't mind. Let me have it. Okay, it's it's um, and this because I lived for years up in Eagle River, and they call me Eagle River up there because uh, um, it's Eagle River. Yeah. Okay, case, all one word: Eagle River Seven. Okay. At, at gmail dot com. Thank you, Dave. You'll be hearing from me. And, and if I can ever find the password code so I can ever start maintaining and utilizing uh, that WordPress web blog, I'd love to compose some more. Uh, like, William should read the one um, I, I wrote, uh, um, uh, Israel Law Isn't Real, The Kingdom of Christ or the Kingdom of Antichrist. Have you ever read that, Mona, that editorial that I wrote, that composition? I don't recall if I have, but don't worry, we'll get you some kind of a website. Thanks a lot, William, for letting us use your chat room as a as a way to communicate. And thanks, Dave. I'll be I'll be emailing you. Hey, Mona, can I ask you a question though? Uh, and, and I, you know, I like to think the best of people, but one of the things that floored me, and and um, because I, I received your emails, I don't know why you didn't receive mine, but I knew you were like a fan of mine, which I appreciate. But what, why I was um, confused and disappointed by you, but maybe you can clarify it now. Where um, remember a Jack McLam show? You you called in and you were like uh, kind of coming across really that Edgar Steele is like as guilty as sin. That there's no question about it and everything. Do, I, I do believe he is uh, totally guilty. That's true. And I'll talk to you at length when we get a chance to chat with each other. I'll, I'll give you all the evidence, and I'll go over the trial transcript with you, uh, just just to give you my side of the story, not to try to persuade you. No, I, I'm open to being persuaded. I, I don't put up mental blocks if somebody can convince me rationally and everything, you know? Yeah, I'll talk to you about it. Oh, uh, now why does Cindy, his wife, uh, su su support his innocence so much if he's really guilty? Is the, is she well, first, oh. first of all, you have to, if you even uh, accept the possibility that he was trying to kill her, you would then have to accept that she is a very unloved and abused wife. So starting from that premise, it's not hard to understand why she would choose to be adulated as the queen of the great white race instead of taking her place among the common man as 
the discarded wife of not a very nice guy. And I think she made the more comfortable, uh, but not the truly honorable choice. Yeah, but now one thing that didn't, one thing you said, Mona, uh, you know, and um, I distinctly remember you saying this, and this is when, you know, with all due respect, where you lost some credibility with with me. <laughs> you, you said that Edgar Steele was, um, I, I uh, you, you said some outlandish number. Uh, it's been proven that he was ha- uh, um, having email relations with uh, with uh, some outlandish not thousands upon thousands of blonde, blue-eyed Russian women. Uh, right, and, and Cindy herself said that to the press. See, the, in the court, they made a big deal out of the 20,000 emails that he sent to Tatyana Laganova, and she substantiated that uh, on, on the video camera during a deposition. So what happened, the way I figured, the way I learned it was actually 100,000 emails, is that Cindy came out crying after that part of the hearing, and she said, they're making a big deal out of these 20,000 emails that he sent to that Russian girl, but it's nothing. It doesn't mean a thing. He sent 100,000 emails to Russian women. And Cindy doesn't, I mean, I personally have seen men of Edgar's age cranking out thousands and thousands of emails, uh, romantic emails, and I just can't believe any man, especially in frail health, could send out 100,000 emails, which is what Cindy said he did, unless he was fueled with sexual energy as opposed to scholarly interest. Oh, yeah, because when you said the way it came out on Jack's show, and maybe you didn't mean it to come out this way, but, uh, you know, the, the 100,000 emails was going to thousands upon thousands of, of uh, uh, different uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Russian women, and it just seemed like absurd on its face, the, the numbers that you were talking about, you know, but... Um, Cindy said something about he sent a thousand, hundred thousand emails to a lot of women. Therefore, the twenty thousand that went to Tatiana Laganova were of no consequence. That was the statement she made. Yeah, it still, it still seems kind of ridiculous to me. You know, even twenty thousand. It does you know. seem pretty ridiculous, but I guess it's possible. Takes a lot of drive to send a hundred thousand emails to pretty girls. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I didn't know. Well, you're not anti. You're not anti blonde haired, blue eyed people, uh, Mona. You're not some. I don't know, really know. You're not some kind of crypto Jew or something that hates blonde, blue eyed, blonde haired people or anything, are you? Uh, not at all. I love I love blue eyed blondes, and I'm doing my best to preserve the race. I love all of our all of our white people, our brown haired, brown eyed white people, but I love the most, I love the tall, slender, blue-eyed blonde because they're the most pure. And they're the what Jesus looked like as described in Revelations. But the kind of cast blonde-haired, blue-eyed, like, like, and you know, kind of came across like blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman of a bunch of whores, a bunch of Russian, Russian blue, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, filthy sluts. And a, no, no, and a, I was trying to indicate that Edgar Steele was the whore for going after the blue-eyed blonde girls in Russia. Doesn't it take two to tango or something, you know? Well, if, uh, you know, he, he was uh, supposedly studying the Russian, the Russian bride scams by sending emails to these uh, women in the Ukraine who were looking for husbands, and he was pretending to be a husband. I mean, looking, you know, he was pretending to offer himself in matrimony to these many females. Finally, he settled down on Tatanya Laganova, and uh, that's, you know, at least that's the story. I don't know. I'm still suspicious because here's Edgar Steele, the biggest thorn in the ass of these Jews, 
that, that like like Sylvia Stoltz is, is willing to defend uh, the, the what the Jews call the, the the undefensible, the indefensible, and everything. It's awful funny that all, it's just like Matt Hale. Matt Hale, Hale, the Pontifex Maximus of the Church of the Creator, stood up to them, and he was railroaded conspiracy to kill a federal judge, and uh, he, he's locked away with the key thrown away. It seems like everyone that stands up to these Jews suddenly they're they're public enemy number one and everything. I, I you know. Well, you're uh, right, Dave. Uh, this is Carolyn. I, I think that uh, that there is there is room to to see uh, Edgar Steele as being someone who was effective, and so they they wanted to frame him and make him look bad. Yes, uh, but I know there are a lot of people who see it the way Mona sees it. I I have not followed it that closely. So it's the, my I am really angry because I care about Matt Hill and I care about Ernst Zindel and I care about Sylvia Stultz and all the other wonderful men and women who have really taken it. You know they're genuine martyrs, and it angers me that if if I'm right about Edgar, I think the white people need to think twice before they allow him to enshroud himself in these martyr martyrs' robes without at least looking at the evidence. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I haven't looked at it. I know some people that associate with me have looked at it, and they think that Edgar Steele is probably framed. I, I'd rather just not make my mind up. Right. But maybe we could talk about that on another program. It, it's nothing that I want to talk about, but maybe I could get Verbal Vandal or somebody like that to have a conversation with you. I, I would like to hear it bantered back and forth, but I would like to hear it bantered back and forth be. You know, you feel like you seem like you could support your side of the argument, but I would like to hear it bantered back and forth with somebody that could support the other side of the argument. I can't. Oh, that would be fun. I'd love to do that sometime. And I just called in to get Dave because I've been trying so hard to get in contact with him. And so I'm going to hang up now, okay, guys? And then I'll start listening to you over the speakers. Okay, thank you. Mona? Yeah. Mona? Oh, I just I just want to let you know, Mona. I'm glad you called in. That that I'm keeping an open mind and everything. And now that you've clarified that and everything, um, you know, I'll keep an open mind to that. And uh, you hey, know, but, we love each other, whether or not we agree on Edgar Steele. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Okay. Thank that you. was good, Mona. That's the way it should be. Hey, you know, if anybody. If anybody that heard my email address, I'm I'm getting a you know I'm almost 60 years old now and everything, and I they didn't have computers when I went through school, but I, I, what I don't have is my passcode, and it's composed of letters and numbers to get into my my uh, day from Massachusetts. Okay, couldn't, couldn't you get it from uh, from the, uh, um, Mark Lynn? Who set that up for you? Or I guess uh, I guess nobody has it but you. Nobody should have it but you. I, I, don't, Dave, I, I mean, we don't even know about your blog. I don't know if this is the place to discuss your blog, no, right? No, it isn't. It uh, isn't. I mean, it, it's kind of trite, right? But but um, all, all of those all, all of those blog software programs have a a, a link to click if you lost your password. So yeah. so I don't. No, no. What, what yeah, happened? Dave, Lord? you're <laughs> good help. You're you're you know somebody to help you do that. Yeah. But what happened? What, what happened was I I had a Toshiba laptop and I I broke the screen on the okay. Computer. All right. Well, I, think, I think I'm going to end this program here, yeah, and I want so to cool. thank I'm, you all I'm for ready being to hang here. Up. And, and praise Yahweh. Thank you and and good night. Yeah. Thanks for listening, people. I'll be back next Friday night. I'll be here with um with, with Mark Chapter Six. This is William Fink, Christianity.org. Praise Yahweh. Good night. <laughs>